Hello and welcome to the MinMax Show, a place about games, friends, and getting better. I'm Ben Hansen, joined by Surreal Vasquez. Hi. Kyle Hilliard. Hello. And Leo the Champion Vader. Thank you. Welcome. Thank you for being here. Thank you for watching or listening to the MinMax Show, spreading the word. We appreciate it. We have a big show today. On today's show, we're talking about the PlayStation 5. We're going to review the PlayStation 5 along with the community. A lot of people that support us on Patreon submitted a comment and a quick review for the PlayStation 5. So we'll share their thoughts. We'll share our thoughts. It's a big week for gaming, and we're here for it, baby. Uh, of course, with that, we're going to talk about Astro's Playroom, a little bit about Sackboy Big Adventure, of course, Spider-Man Miles Morales, uh, Demon Souls, Godfall, The Pathless, Destiny 2 Beyond Light, Fuser, Call of Duty, Black Ops, Cold War. Uh, Jeff will be joining us. Jacob Geller will be joining us for a chunk. And the back half of the show, we have some great community questions that people submitted. Thank you to everybody that submitted some great questions. I'm excited to get to those. Um, this is it, everybody. This is like we're soaking in the huge avalanche releases of 2020. Leo, how you feeling? I'm feeling good and marinated, you know? <laughs> marinated by the avalanche. Hell yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine if uh, Cyberpunk was coming out still in November? It would, it would be too much. <laughs> yeah, well, you never know. <laughs> December 10th is still a long ways away, but it's, I know people were distraught. People were sending death threats and all that stuff, which, you know, might've been a bit much. I, I feel just relieved that I have still a little bit of a window where I can try and, you know, pick up some slack and make more progress in Assassin's Creed Valhalla and Yakuza, which are like the two big beefers that I'm trying to focus on at this point. But Kyle, are you still not stressed out by the amount of games coming out? Uh, well, no, it's just, I'm happy. I'm just enjoying it. I mean, not to get ahead of ourselves here, but like, I am way more into this new generation than I thought I would be to the point where I'm like, I don't know if I've been this excited about a launch collection of games ever. Like, honestly, because there's like, there, there are certainly single releases that have been very exciting. Twilight Princess for Wii, huge deal. Breath of the Wild Switch, huge deal. But in terms of like, What's immediately available that benefits from next gen? I don't know that the list has been so good and long ever. Maybe. That's really interesting. Yeah, Sean Mason wrote in, just to get right to these community questions. He says, hey, I've been in the CLCs. As I was playing through Astros and starting, uh, starting Spider-Man Remastered on my first day of gaming on the PlayStation 5, I felt pure childlike joy that I honestly cannot remember having playing video games since I first got my hands on the PlayStation 1. I'm wondering if y'all had a similar experience with the PlayStation 5, and if so, what is it about this console that might be evoking stronger emotional reactions than many other modern consoles? Is it just me, or does this one feel like something special? I think, I mean, just going down the list for me, is like Assassin's, there's, there's a lot of them that are like, they come out yearly, right? Call of Duty and Assassin's are like, you know, consistent releases, but yeah. they really benefit from next-gen. Astro's bot, Astrobot is amazing. I'm loving the Pathless. Uh, the Demon Souls remake is phenomenal. And then Spider-Man is just like knocking it out of the park for me. Like it's just, and I think also like I just was eager for like a big batch of new technology and new games. Like I'm just like, I'm really loving it. Like more than I thought I would. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, before we get too deep into this, we should mention uh, Sony did ship MinMax a PlayStation 5. So that's the one that I technically have at my place that I've been messing around with. Uh, it's nice to, like, this last weekend was nuts. It was just a lot of long gaming sessions. It was nice to have that PlayStation 5 controller, go through a couple charges, really get used to it. Uh, Surreal, uh, you got a PlayStation 5 at this point too, right? 
Yeah, uh, I I've been playing uh, Demon Souls. I've been playing uh, Destiny, and I've been playing Mortal Kombat. I've been playing. I've been, you know the the three games that everybody was curious about for next gen, right? <laughs> Mortal Kombat. You're going into that Ultimate Collection. Yeah, I mean, I figure um, it was the best possible test of the D pad that I could have probably oh, interesting. done. And then uh, Demon Souls, I actually. Uh, again, for the for testing purposes, I I was actually following that um that feature they have where you can look at like short guide videos. Yeah, just to th- it was a combination of like I know this game okay. I, there are things that I definitely forgot, but I was looking at that feature of like okay, what what do they think are like the hints that people need? Uh, so it's been it's been interesting. And then also I'm getting trying to get raid ready for Destiny too. So I I don't have a testing uh, suggestion for that other than it loads loads real quick, but. <laughs> It really uh, does it really well. I can still good. Yeah, I mean, I guess UI, what do you think about that hint system? What do you think about the PlayStation 5 UI overall here? I think it's uh I think it's some like they're fixing a lot of the things people didn't like about the PS4 system. Um but I I'm not totally settled on it yet. I think the the most annoying thing right now is that I think you can't turn off the system as quickly as you could on PS4. Where right. you have to hold the button, you have to go to the, uh, you know, you have to hit more but- buttons to get to the enter rest mode option. Whereas on PS4, it was like you, I think it was held the button, uh, I think went down like one option and that was it. Yep. Um, whereas here you have to load up that menu, go, you know, whatever, uh, like move around that one, that tiny um, cross media bar thing. Yeah. Big loss for gamers whose moms are coming downstairs. <laughs> <laughs> And treat games as if they were pornography of like, oh, I can't catch you seeing them, even though you have this machine dedicated to it. Right. It's like my media system, mom. (laughs) Getting used to just pressing the button once as opposed to holding it. Like, I still haven't used to it. I'm still trying to hold down the button every time. I know, especially even just I use it as a pause so much more than I thought on the PlayStation 4. And now it's like, okay, to actually pause this thing, I actually need to hold this thing down, get the whole pause for going into the game here. But there's still the quirks. I'm starting to wrap my brain around. Mm -hmm. Uh, Leo, you booted up a whole min-max uh, PS5 over there. How's your experience been? I've been booting. Yeah, it seems fine. I I don't have that many PS5 games at this point to really yeah. run it through the ringer with, but I played a bit of that Astro Bot. The objective triggers feel kind of strange. They feel like just sticky triggers. <laughs> I feel like if it, I feel like, you know, a, a Metal Gear Solid could be like, could have Psycho Mantis go, why is your controller so old and crappy? The controllers are getting <laughs> sticky, you know? It'd be convincing that way. I've had yeah. that similar thing where like, you know, you get a grappling hook in Sackboy Big Adventure and I, I'd forgotten about it, then I got it back on another level and I had a moment of like, oh crap, my controller's broken. It's like, oh no, that's right. It's just they're trying to mimic <laughs> the idea of you having a grappling hook so it has like a little chunk to it. But definitely my first instinct is like, oh man, I got to blow on this stupid old thing thinking it's like an old PS3 controller or something. But okay, so I think there's a lot of hype. There's still, you know, I sent out a Twitter poll. Still a majority of our Twitter audience at least hasn't felt a dual sense yet. What's your read on it, Leo? Do you think like the controller overrated, underrated, compare the amount of hype like versus actually grabbing this thing? Uh, if I, if on those metrics, maybe a little overrated, just as yeah. far as like the features, I feel like I'll end up turning some of them off, but the actual feel of the controller is great. Like it's as heavy as I want it to be. It's the size I want it to be. And honestly, the controllers, the, the triggers do feel good for sure. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm with you. I, I like the controller just to be clear. I don't think it's head and shoulders above the PS4 controller. Like a lot of people are saying, and actually like the more time I spend with the PS5 controller, I think I'm cooling on it more and more 
and this is so needlessly specific. I'm I'm sorry to everybody listening and watching, but there's something about like where your pinkies are resting on the PS5 controller, where like they mm. wrap around and they're resting kind of like on this ridge between the white and the mm-hmm. black. And it's not a sharp ridge, but there's a little bit of a divide there. There's and, an edge. Yeah, and that combined with the fact that it's so like top heavy, not literally, but just you know the look of it, it feels like if I really squeezed my fingers and my uh, you know, grip, this thing would pop out. It's just got a weird shape to it that I went back to the PS4 controller and it's like, oh, I do prefer just kind of the smoothness of this thing and the roundness on the bottom. I was expecting it to like, you know, back when the PS4 came out and you jump back to the PS3 controller, it felt like just holding hot dog shit in your hands. But like, there's not that much of a leap. Like it's close to 50-50. I think the haptic stuff is cool, but actual just form, I I might prefer the PS4 at this point still. It's a little hmm. big. It's yeah. a little, yeah, especially when you're jumping back and forth between the Series X and the PlayStation 5 controller. That's really when it's like, oh my God, this yeah. is more of a leap now. I, I definitely like the larger size of it. Uh, I The buttons feel a little weird to me, especially like, I think the R1 and L2 buttons are significantly different. They're much larger. Mm. Uh, I don't know whether I like that or not, but it feels different. And that that to me feels like one of the those like, oh, I'm playing a next gen game because like the 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 buttons i'm pressing feel like fundamentally different which is a weird thing to say but i think it it it, it's like one of the most standout things that let you know that you're using a different console right yeah Uh, andrew burns here uh submitted a quick comment saying within a week the dual sense is already my ease is already easily my favorite controller of all time the haptic triggers are awesome and the hd rumble is nice (laughs) just call it hd rumble everybody uh but what really (laughs) sets it apart for me is how glossy the buttons are how comfortable the triggers and specifically the r1 and l1 buttons are and critically how quiet it is my least favorite thing about the xbox one hold on that thing is not quiet at all i had to turn off the vibration when my kid was playing bugs next i think he's talking about the pressing the buttons yeah. Okay. Not well, the vibrate is very loud. <laughs> Low bar. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. But he says my least favorite thing about the Xbox One controller is how loudly the sticks bang against the plastic during regular use. Uh, the Dual Sense is the opposite. It's the quietest controller I've ever used, and it is lovely. Yeah, uh, that's all definitely true. But I, I, I kind of see it differently. Like one of the reasons I like the um, Xbox One's D-pad. I haven't tried the Series uh, X yet. Uh, is because it is clicky and it yeah. lets me know like when I'm playing fighting games that like, okay, I've registered this input correctly. Whereas, you, you know, they're going for this very sleek look on the on the dual sh- on the dual sense, but it, it does feel like kind of like mushy and kind of inaccurate. But most of the time it doesn't matter because, you know, most games don't require like super precise inputs like that. Yeah, so you're not in love with it for Mortal Kombat, the D-pad. Uh, for the D-pad, you know, like it, I think it feels better than the, uh, than the, DualShock Force, just because it's instead of it's smooth instead of being like uh, matte, which I think feels rougher on my fingers when I'm moving across it a ton. Yeah. Uh, but otherwise, I think it's like I think I like the Dual Sense more overall. Yeah. Uh, Kyle, have you found yourself turning down the vibration at all? Are you still really into it? No, and I don't know if I was ever really super into it. Like I like it. I don't think it actively deters anything. But like I don't think Spider-Man benefits from it. I think Astrobot is neat. I think the pathless benefits from it. I think the pathless is an improved experience because of the triggers. Um, but I mean, I do like it. It is cool. I just don't want it to be, I don't want every game to be Astro's playroom. 
You know? <laughs> Do you see what I'm talking about now? It's just like, it feels like the most yeah. obnoxious thing you've ever held in your hands. And I love it so much, but it's so over the top. I think I, by the end of this generation, we'll go back to it and be like, holy God, this was insane. I mean, there are, there are elements when you, like the first time, like we waggling, you know, it became sort of a negative thing. And like, yeah. people were like, this actively makes games less fun is like this motion control stuff. I don't think the HD rumble would ever make a game less fun. I right. think it only like is like a just kind of an interesting sort of novelty, but it not not worse. I don't know, unless unless maybe the triggers get too hard to pull or something like if they just lean into that too much cuz but um I I do like it. Like I, it is it is unique and it is cool and it is it is one of those things that sets it apart from Xbox pretty uh, in, in a big way, for sure. Yeah. yeah. One other thing I wanted to mention real quick is I think that the microphone on the controller is actually kind of underrated. I think it is oh, one really? of my favorite parts of the controller because it is so good for like those casual things of like, I need to talk to this person real quick. So um, my brother also has a, a PS5. And so uh, we're kind of talking a lot during Destiny stuff. And it was really simple to just turn the thing on and talk to him while he was in the party. And he uh, he mentioned that like for the fact that I'm not ni- neither of us were wearing headphones, the fact that there's no that you were just kind of hearing kind of our voices, which you know the sound quality isn't great, feels like you're talking to them on speakerphone. Um, the fact that the game audio wasn't in- interfering at all with my voice was actually kind of surprising. <laughs> and it comes like when you're in a party, the audio it's just the voice audio coming out of that speaker, so it makes it very easy to distinguish between okay, I, I can listen to the game and uh, my friend at the same time without like neither cluttering up the audio wait the voices come out of the spe- uh, the speaker on the out controller of, out of the controller yeah oh I really oh i haven't seen it that re- i think it is one of like i think long term it'll be a really useful feature because it, do- it doesn't it's not it picks up just your voice which i think is really a really good touch yeah that is impressive uh i'm glad you actually checked that out i was a uh, surprise it's probably a basic thing but i just hadn't seen anybody uh tweet about it or anything yet when i got my playstation 5 i got a second controller and there's this weird thing where if you mute the mic or if you turn on the mic on one of the controllers it automatically turns off on the second because they don't want like the two mics to have interference if you're doing local multiplayer which is such a weird idea of just this little button turning off and on on both of them and also like it's weird on the second controller instead of like the blue light around the edge of the touchpad it's orange obviously uh and then also there's like there's a that singular light right below the touchpad on the dual sense and then when you have that second controller it divides into two so i assume that'll keep going it'll get up to four crammed oh. in there that's yeah, cool the, yeah the other thing is that there uh i will uh pro tip there is an option to turn the mic off by default which is how i like it to just turn yeah. it off like opt in versus opt out kind of thing uh so definitely check that feature out because otherwise you know i've been hearing a lot of people in destiny especially like just talking randomly just random sounds that people are making because the mics are on by default yeah so you can definitely turn that off uh every time yeah there's there's a lot of cool settings like you which was a thing that 360 did uh which i was always bummed disappeared for xbox one but you can say like default my y-axis to be inverted yeah you could also say default to performance mode when there's the option there and then you can also, which I love, you can look at your profile and you can see how much time you've spent with every game for like the last seven years. It's it, the it, best. It, it retained all your PlayStation 4 stuff. I love that. I've been demanding that. Like I, I've always <laughs> just wanted the 3DS like way of doing it, which is just a list of the games you've played the most by hours. And like, it's it's so silly to me that that just wasn't already there. But like I, lo- I went all the way back and I found that like the, my, the first PS4 game I played was like Need for Speed. Rivals. And it said, like, you spent an hour with this, you know? And I was yeah, like, oh, I, this is amazing. I love this. 
Yeah, I was looking at that too, and it's not perfect because it doesn't distinguish between um, betas and the final product. So I mm. saw like, oh, how many hours have I did I play the original Destiny for? And it just said like, oh, you've played it for like three hours. And I was like, that <laughs> that's inaccurate. But then I scrolled up, and it's like, oh, okay, here's the actual proper Destiny. So there were like three versions of of Dragon yeah, Ball yeah. Fighters and Soul Calibur things like oh, that. Oh, sure. Any, anything you played a beta of, but. Uh, yeah, I really like that feature a lot, too. Yeah. yeah, and I love that they had that data the whole time, just attached to your name, but just weren't surfacing yeah. it for all these years. And now it's like, oh, I did put a lot of time into Monster Hunter World. That's right. Mm-hmm. I don't get you can look so- at it once a year, but yes. now you can look at it whenever you want. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, I think it, it's super nice in there. Uh, on the UI front, uh, Tactical Dreamer writes in and says, it cannot be overstated how amazing the load times on the PlayStation 5 are. I can barely get a sip of my drink during loading screens for Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Something more specific... <laughs> Spit it out every time. <laughs> <laughs> Something more specific that I don't see a lot of people talking about is a lack of folders. First Nintendo and now Sony have both gotten rid of organization options? Why is that? Does the Series X have them? Series X, yeah, that UI does have the equivalent of folders. You can make, like, groups or something. I forget exactly what they call it. Yeah, but pins and groups, yeah. Yeah. Uh, UI specifically, layout, how's everybody doing? I'm having a tough time. <laughs> I don't know why. I can't find the stupid screenshot video gallery on my okay, PlayStation so, 5. Am I missing so this? The, the way you can change, like, what button does what, but right now, um, if you press whatever button brings up the interface for it, like yeah. where it says, like, take a screenshot, take a video, if you hi- if you look at the, it's sort of like your phone, where if you uh, press the thing, that the last thing you recorded, like if you see a video or a screenshot on the left side, if you click on that, it'll show you your recent captures, basically. So you can scroll through those uh, by clicking on that. But I do think the the media gallery stuff is is harder to find. Yeah, I'm having a tricky time with it. Uh, but UI, other than that, is everybody into it so far? Uh, yeah, I like the game switcher uh, thing that where you can press uh, the guide button and it'll show you, like, if you click on the game icon in the in the hopper, it'll show you, like, here's some recent games, just hop between them because I've been doing that a lot. But it does make me miss, uh, well, not miss, but, like, uh, hope that at some point if there's a hardware revision or something or some update that Sony implements uh, Microsoft's quick resume stuff because yeah. that definitely feels like the biggest uh, missing feature from the PS4 right or the PS5 right now. Absolutely, yeah. It's tough. It's so weird to go back and forth there. Uh, Travis Mannix submits a comment saying, uh, it's weird to see how I have to reselect my PlayStation profile every time I come out of rest mode. It's a weird step that wasn't there on the PlayStation 4 and it feels contrary to the turn on and play lifestyle of the new generation. I think the dashboard will be considered fantastic after people have some time to reset their expectations and habits from the PS4's dashboard. It's fast, it's clean, the more I use it, the more I like it, the more I can get around quickly. Also, the Explore tab that it lands on when you boot up feels like gross advertising space more than an exploration of things I'm interested in. At least it's all in one place instead of being scattered throughout the entire UI, though. Yeah. I could see that. I yeah. agree with that, yeah. Uh, the games are really... The list of games is small, and then, like, today, I've been playing Assassin's Creed on Xbox... But then when I opened it up, turn on my PlayStation 5, there was like a big like, hey, Assassin's Creed Valhalla is here. I'm like, I- I'm good, you guys. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Thanks, but no thanks. Uh, Joe Halaska uh, writes in saying, I love, 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 love the OS menu music. It has this weird futuristic mood that works well with the strange design of the system. Yeah, Sony's always been good at that. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, for the PlayStation 5, I had a hard crash while playing Miles Morales. A hard crash. And then Jake Zielsdorf uh, comments on that comment saying, I was trying to launch uh, the Miles Morales Digital Edition yesterday and got an error code saying it wouldn't start five times in a row. Had to power cycle my PS5 to fix it. There are a lot of weird hiccups like that that people are reporting, just weird crashes here and there. I've had Sackboy crash once, but I think that's it for me so far here. 
Yeah, I've, I, I've I, had I, some crashes. Yeah, I think there's also some issue with like PS4 versus PS5 stuff. I think some people are like it. it it's been a little difficult to figure out which version you're downloading. Uh, I think so far for me, it's been pretty clear which version I'm playing because I think it, like if it if it is a PS4 game, it'll say like you know, for example, Destiny 2, and then it'll have PS4 in the title basically versus something like Demon Souls. It'll just say Demon Souls, right? Right. Yeah. I somehow when I was just going through storage and, and managing that. It turns out I had downloaded the PS4 and PS5 versions of both Sackboy and Miles Morales. Where it's like, was that transferring over somehow? I don't know if that automatically downloaded both. It's just a weird hiccup yeah. there. But I yeah. that's and, still and, super easy to set up. And the 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 code that uh, Sony sent us for Miles Morales uh, had was like the Ultimate Edition. So it had like it had Miles Morales PS4, Miles Morales PS5. Oh, is that why? Okay. Yeah. So if you, and if you go to download all, it downloads everything. Of course. Uh, there we go. <laughs> that makes sense. And real fans would play both, Hanson. <laughs> All right, I'll go yeah, back. Okay. Hey, it's the deepest dive. Let's do it, baby. Yeah. I've been hearing that there are actually separate trophy lists for some of the games, too. Oh, so really? You, you can platinum games twice now. Oh, weird. <laughs> yeah, uh, that might be happening in my house with bug snacks. <laughs> you seem like that's a curse. No, I'll watch him play that again. That's cool. Really? You're not sick of bug snacks after your daughter's still jumping around raving about it? No, I finally saw the ending. You asked me about the ending a yeah. while ago. Won't spoil anything. Please. But, uh, that ending is wild. Do you think it's going to be a moment of the year? Ah, <laughs> uh, it could be. It could be in the discussion. Yeah. Okay. Oh, interesting. I guess you know all that talk about bug snacks. We didn't really get to it. And I know Leo and Jeff I'm just played the opening for the Great Goaty Hunt stream. You can find that on our YouTube channel. But what is it about that game that you think your daughter loves so much? Like, what is it so good at? Is it just like a Muppets level zaniness that has attracted uh, her to it? It's cute. There's yeah. the Pokemon element. Uh, capturing the bug snacks. Um, you can't die. There's no fail state, really. Mm. You can walk through lava, and you just kind of do the Kermit the Frog, like, ah, I'm on fire, and then that's that's it. But I think it's also like a genuinely interesting story with a compelling mystery yeah. and well-defined characters, you know? Like, if it was an animated show, it would be equally as compelling. You yeah, know? that's interesting. Yeah, it's got it all. Uh, Spencer Bortin submits a comment saying, Greetings, CLCs. I've been playing Miles Morales for the deepest dive and have been swapping between performance and fidelity mode to see the power of next-gen at play. It seems all we've ever wanted from new consoles is a standardized 60 FPS, and here we are. Problem is, I think I prefer the fidelity mode over performance. I love the cinematic presentation of a slower frame rate, and that seems to provide it, and all the ray tracing effects look stunning on my 4K OLED television. Am I a fake-ass gamer boy if I don't care about higher frame rates? You're a movie oh, no. boy. Yeah, <laughs> it, I mean, it depends on the game. I think I, 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 I'll probably end up playing Miles Morales at 30, just to really I, I want I want to see it at like the the higher resolution and do all the ray tracing stuff. But I think Demon Souls, I tried it in cinematic mode and just found it like not at all appealing and I, I very quickly switched back to performance mode uh so i think it's just going to depend on what you want out of the game right and i think a lot of the especially the sony first party exclusives which like always lean like more very cinematic presentation i think it makes sense to to have that kind of lower frame rate that's interesting yeah but it looks so good in 60 with miles morales swinging around uh pretham yarlagata says that Patrick Klepek on Waypoint Radio is talking about how being able to switch frame rates in Demon's Souls broke his brain, and now he can't stop thinking about frame rates. Uh, he thought the game looked significantly worse in the game's performance mode because it ran at 30 FPS, something he never cared about before. Yeah, Kyle, we talked about it in the deepest dive, but yeah, I guess in Demon's Souls you can switch that frame rate on the fly compared to Miles Morales where you have to actually back out to, to swap it, and I guess people are suddenly 
freshly aware of, oh my god, there is a big gap between 30 and 60. Yeah. It changes the way this stuff feels. When, when yeah. you put them side by side, it's very apparent. Yeah. yeah. And I'm with Patrick in the sense that it's like, I kind of wish I didn't care, but now I care, you know? Right. It, right. Yeah. Again, it, it is so interesting to see a lot of people come to the, like, to I, I know this sounds very elitist, but like to see a lot of people talking about games the way that PC people have for a long time of like, you know, yeah. like I really like the bump up to 60. That's really cool. I like the increased loading times. That is so convenient for me. And like, and like, oh yeah, I understand what the differences in frame rates are now, or like just things like that. It feels like indicative of where we're at with the consoles is that like people just want like a better version of what they already have. Um, and I think like I was talking to this uh, with about, uh, I was talking about this with my brother is that the switch feels like the newest console still because of the, of the portable gimmick. Yeah. Right? And these feel like, yeah, we are just taking what we learned last generation and just improving on it with the PS5 and Xbox one. Yeah, it's like these generations are just turning everybody into PC people, whether they want exactly. to or not. Now they know all <laughs> exactly. of our woes, yeah, for years here. Yeah. Uh, Chris Logan spits a comment saying, my wow moment for the PlayStation 5 came from a notification after booting up the system, letting me know I had been knocked out of the top 100 on one of Astro's Playroom's speedrun leaderboards, and I should reclaim my spot. With the tap of a button and the notification, the speedrun was loaded, and I was on my way. No title screen, no loading, just back into a specific part of the game. Wow, he says. <laughs> That is cool. Like those little moments. I don't think I've experienced those yet, but that's great. Uh, Strange Sloth says, I appreciate the music in Miles Morales and the Pathless and how I can look at the soundtrack for Miles in the PlayStation music icon menu through Spotify now. I haven't seen that. That's a cool idea. Um, I wonder how standardized it's going to end up being. Like, is that just a thing? How, how is that just going to be standardized across all releases? Or is that just a thing they're doing for launch at this point? Are they putting the work into that? Because, you know, this is the launch. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure. I'm not sure exactly how that breaks down. Um, seems like the go-to thing when you boot up that PlayStation 5, you got to check out Astro's Playroom. Baked into the system itself. Uh, I ended up finishing it over the weekend. Uh, Kyle, I assume you finished it too? Yeah. Uh, I love it. It's Fantastic. so good. I mean, don't get your hopes up too high. You know, it's it's small. It's smaller than Astrobot I mean, Rescue Mission, which I, I loved in VR. But I almost disagree with you, man. Really? Like, I think the only negative thing is that it, I wish there were more. I mean, there's like yeah. four levels, so it is short. Like, you can get through it in like less than five hours. But like, it's a super fun experience. That it was like more of a game than I expected it to be. Even you know, yeah. And the amount of Easter eggs they pack in there throughout the history of PlayStation is really fun. And I wonder, like. Are some of those like unlicensed of just like, eh, it's a subtle enough nod to Resident Evil 1 that we don't have to actually communicate with Capcom? Or do you think, do you think the lawyers got involved for every one of those Easter eggs in that sucker? I think it is an email thread of like, okay. hey, we want to use this. Otherwise, you know, I, I think it's, it was more informal. I think those relationships are good enough that they wouldn't have to. Yeah, that's probably fair. Yeah. Um, Leo, what's been the highlight of your Astro experience so far? It, I, it's fine. The highlight was e- all of it equally. <laughs> Were you not that into it? I know you're not a big platformer guy. I'm not a platformer guy. Whenever a game's like, oh, it's fun to play, and that's the point of it, that's me. You know? <laughs> oh, wait, so like a good video game? Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, no, I, I, yeah, you're not a big platformer guy, and it is definitely the joy of that game is like, jumping around and seeing what's there and seeing all the anime there's like a million different unique animations for all the little astrobots and the music is so good and stuff like that yeah yeah i've played through the first level and i I got all the collectibles in there and even then it's just it feels really nice to see like here's the 
like just the the dumb pleasure of like here's the ps3 and you here's like a full model you can rotate and if you press yeah. a button the little flap pops up. Like yes that, exactly yeah, that, that interact that, button that, so it's good. a silly minor thing but it's 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 really cool but uh, uh what are what are the most obscure like surprising um easter eggs that you found like just random bits of like playstation ephemera uh, well, they have like a gotcha machine, which I made a quick video about on our YouTube channel, just about how satisfying it is to have just random crap pop out. You know, you can, you just you talking about that interact button, <laughs> I remember being in love with something that I wasn't in love with, the physical version of like the PSVR breakout box. And like the interact button just has like the weird sliding of the plastic of that breakout box, no. which is like, all right, now I suddenly enjoy this thing. But it's a lot of just the charm of... Specifically, I'm a sucker for when you're like jumping onto a giant PlayStation 1 power or open button. Like every interaction <laughs> there is great. And I think without spoiling anything, I think the ending is cool uh, if yeah, you really want to go back in time do, for the PlayStation. Do, do they have the uh, Nintendo PlayStation? No, that would have been awesome. Yeah, I think I, I think that would uh, we wouldn't have had to have Goaty uh, delivery if that were the case. <laughs> They do have uh, one thing you can get unlocked from the the capsule machine is um, just like uh, an Astrobot looking at all the PlayStation logos that they decided not to go with. Yeah, you know? and, and like when you unlock it, there's an Astrobot like holding up the final one, like this is the one, and then behind him on the table, there's a bunch of unused ones, which is really cool. That's so fun. I think one of the successes of that game is that team, uh, the Asobi team within Sony, like they are the hardware team. You know, they still are. They're at ground zero for designing the next controller for PlayStation and stuff. And I think I was thinking about what a success that game is, how rock solid that game is and how intertwined Sony hardware is with Astrobot and Astro's playroom. And it reminds me a little bit of like the success of Fortnite. Just like when there's a team that that's connected to the tech, they can do so much. And I think a Sobe team is a triumph in that regard of just being so ingrained, ingrained in that culture, knowing the hardware so well that they can get the most out of that haptic feedback. Or even just, Weird stuff like uh, the rocket ship just feels crazy to fly, just so chunky and weird. And the weirdest feeling thing, I think, with the controller that I've felt so far is the spring in Astro's Playroom, where you're, like, launching that thing, and you can just feel it like it's a rusty spring in your controller. It's it's really bizarre on the triggers there. but Yeah, I like the rain, too. The rain yeah. was a weird one, where it's just sort of, like, speckling the controller as you're walking around. I don't know how else to explain it. we got to figure out new words, Speckling, I, <laughs> I think, is the main way to go, yeah. But, no, I think that team should be regarded as, you know, the upper echelon of Sony talent at this point, like that oh, yeah. director Nicholas Doucette and everybody over there is just incredible. Um, should we move on to Spider-Man, Miles Morales? Obviously, yeah, if you're good. looking for a big old discussion about Spider-Man and Miles Morales, please check out The Deepest Dive. The first half, uh, the first discussion just went live on our YouTube channel. If you support us at any tier on Patreon, uh, I'm sorry, not at any tier, the $5 tier, then you unlock the podcast version of The Deepest Dive on Spider-Man Spider Miles Morales, which is the huge community game club discussion. Uh, we're joined by Kyle Bossman, formerly of Easy Allies, former host of the Easy Allies podcast. And uh, it's a very fun chat. Kyle, we talked about that game for a hell of a long time. I don't think we really talked about our feelings about it. Sincerely, like at the I mean, end of the like discussion. I love, that, I love that Insomniac game. I love Spider-Man. This is more Spider-Man, and there's, there's enough new there, too, to make it like an extra compelling experience. I like playing as Miles. I like his new abilities. The story is interesting. Like, I'm on board. You check, know? check, check. Everything's great. Yeah, it's crazy. To yeah, think. I mean, it's almost like a boring conversation because it's like, it's good. 
that that the sequel that that sort of like expansion of that game that was really good a couple years ago. Yeah, this one's good too. Yeah, so. but the deepest dive isn't a boring conversation. There's plenty more specifics no. to get into with the plot and everything. There, I hear you though. Like, it's amazing to think about kind of the where this game maybe got its origins. Thinking about uh, Naughty Dog and the Lost Legacy getting that kind of like smaller bite-sized follow-up thing rolling. And I wonder if this game would exist in this way if it wasn't for. Naughty Dog kind of plowing that path within Sony of just showing that, hey, here's an option. But for, you know, a smaller experience, it's still, there's a lot going on in there. You know, I think it's clocking in around 10 hours, 7 to 10 seems to be like for the main path. Um, But it's just so polished. It's just so smooth. It's one of those things where you can get into the groove of just playing the game and zoning out. But when you stop to look at how insane these finishing moves actually look or how smooth that web swinging still is running along the side of a building, it is just a wild accomplishment from Insomniac that they pulled this off yet again, it, for, especially for a launch game. It's crazy. Leo, are you digging it? Uh, the Yeah, the animations are really good. I like the new web swinging, which, it, you know, plays the same, but, like, the animations, it's like, he just feels like he's having more fun swinging, which is what I would feel like if I were Spider-Man. Yeah, a lot of people wrote into the deepest dive talking about how much they love, like, how kind of flaily Miles Morales is, both in fighting and swinging, and it is really satisfying. Even, like, you know, when you're coming out of tricks, I found myself doing so many more tricks while swinging around in this one, and then seeing him just do that little bit of a flail on his way out is so awesome. Mm. Uh, yeah, I absolutely love it. Uh, the second half of The Deepest Dive is going to be airing next week, so if you want to submit a comment on the back half of that game or anything that we missed in the first half, you can support us in any tier and submit it over there, but otherwise we encourage you to check out that Deepest Dive. It's a very fun discussion. Um, oh, we should talk about this one too. Uh, over the weekend... I had a lot of ambitious plans about games that I wanted to play, um, and I ended up just mainly sticking with Sackboy A Big Adventure, which is Hmm. out on PlayStation 4, also PlayStation 5. I was playing the PlayStation 5 version. Sony sent over the code. Uh, I really ended up loving this game. I was really skeptical going in, because even the first world, it feels like, okay, it's one of those... Uh, platformers where it feels like, oh, you have to design it for up to four people. So when you're playing it single player, the world kind of can feel empty and the level's a little bit barren. Um, But over time, I guess I noticed that less and less and really, really grew to enjoy it. I went from really skeptical to at the end being like, this is in the same ballpark as Crash Bandicoot 4 in terms of platformers this year. I think Crash is better. I want to go back just to double check that. But there's some levels in particular in Sackboy Big Adventure that are so great. Like, there are levels that are designated as two-player levels. And it reminds me, Kyle, of, like, the old Rayman Legends on the Wii U even. I guess even Mm -hmm. any Rayman Legends levels where one character is kind of unlocking things for the other one. You need both people working together and trying to get through these different environments. But I'm trying to think. I think it's, like, my favorite co-op platformer since... 2013, which had like 3D World and Rayman Legends. We're trying to think, are there any other 3D platformers throughout the years that have come close to those? In terms of co-op? Just just co-op platformer. Yeah. I mean, there's Odyssey, right? But that's not, I mean, they have, what, a second player option in some way in Odyssey, right? For picking up coins or something? But in terms of co-op, yeah, I don't think there's been a ton. There hasn't been that much. I really think this is is great. And it's just local... uh, co-op right now they're going to patch in online stuff but i think the legacy of Sackboy is going to be everybody will look back at it and be like that was really an underrated launch game and then whenever it inevitably comes to playstation plus probably when they have the online co-op people will be like holy crap this is great how do we sleep on this because it is going to be one of the kind of underrepresented gems of the year um and 
spoiler for an early level in Sackboy Big Adventure, if I may. But they also pull from Rayman Legends uh, by having musical levels. They actually have music levels throughout the entire game where it's like one per world. Uh, so mm. it's the weirdest thing of just like playing through this level. And then I just started thinking more and more like, is this, is that beat really what I think it is? And then it's a pretty early on level. It's just Uptown Funk by Bruno Mars. And then the entire level is like themed to it. Not in as big of a way as Rayman Legends is. It's a little bit smaller. Yeah. Just everything's kind of like moving with the beat to Uptown Funk. And then the part where they say like, girls sing the hallelujah. Like girls jump out in a very little big planet style presentation. Uh, but that keeps up throughout the entire game. And it's, they're fun levels, but there's a part of me that's like, oh, it's so weird to see Media Molecule's creation here from Little Big Planet being spun out by Sumo Digital now and taking that Little Big Planet aesthetic, but then instead of having cool indie songs for, you know, the classic Little Big Planet soundtrack, it's just like the biggest pop songs in the world <laughs> for these levels, but still undoubtedly fun. And like, when even when it's not a huge level that's all designated or like focused on a certain musical theme, there's still a couple levels where just playing and it's like wait is that background music that pop song like they just take like an orchestral instrumental version of for example take on me you know the song from aha and it's just like, what a weird thing in the background of these levels but it's a it is a, a cool big game year for that song <laughs> i know it's really it's really out there um yeah we should look up the history of take on me in video games because it was also in that that singing game that I made you sing with mm -hmm. Kim Wallace back at Game Informer. I think it's it's yeah, getting it's around in video game. games. It was, it was in Just Cause 4, I think, right? There was like that weird Easter egg. What was could, that? It was like you could find this building and you would go inside and like if, uh, once you passed a certain threshold, it would like turn into a comic book look uh, like the music video. Oh, I yeah. I think they may have even licensed the song. I could be wrong about right. that. Right, yeah. I'm it sure was in Metal Gear Solid 5 as well. Yeah, what the oh, hell is going on with right. that? Yeah, that's a great song. Hard. Great song. <laughs> uh, it's up there in, with Claire de Lune as, as far as like games using it a lot. Goes. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But yeah, Sackboy Big Adventure. If you know, if you want a game on your PlayStation, something to play on P PS5 in particular that is very, very much Sony's attempt at a Super Mario 3D world. Like you should check it out. It's not going to blow your mind, uh, but I think it's a super solid platformer and deserves some more eyeballs. Um, do you all want to talk about Demon Souls? Yes, let's do it. Okay. I think we could use some help, though, Surreal. My God, it's Jacob Geller, friend of the show, YouTube essay extraordinaire. Thank you for being hey here, sir. Oh, my pleasure. Um, you are the world's foremost expert on Demon Souls, is what I hear. I have played the game more than once. That's so, impressive. Yeah. Wow. Also, here's, here's what you got. You also played the original, what, this year, you said? Yeah, I, I played the original, uh, actually emulated this year, and I played it back in the day on PS3. So right. yeah, I've I've experienced it in a whole bunch of formats. No reason to be humble now. Uh, Surreal and Kyle, you've also been playing it. Yeah, yeah. It's, Sweet. it's in terms of like the games I've spent the time with. Yeah, it's sort of lower tier. I've played like two hours or so. Okay. Um, but like I'm I'm really liking it. Like, and I'm not, you know I'm not the biggest from guy, but I'm. I'm really enjoying this. You say that, I but mean, you keep you playing their games, from, Kyle. Uh, what? Said <laughs> you say you're not the biggest From guy, but every new From release, well, I understand this isn't exactly From, but you keep playing yeah. these suckers. Well, I do. Well, okay. I I want to hear Jacob's thoughts on it, but like I'm just I I consider myself a bit of a weirdo in that like Correct. I feel like you either love From games and they're your favorite, or you just like bounce off of them really early on and and you don't get it. 
and I'm somewhere in the middle where I'm like, yeah, I like Dark Souls. I don't, I don't want to go back and play it again. You know, like yeah. that's kind of where I'm at, which makes I sort of self-define as sort of a, a, a unique from fan in that way, which maybe isn't accurate. I don't know. And we honor you. Uh, Serial, how Thanks. much have you played? Uh, I've played for a few hours. Uh, it's it, the progress is kind of lateral. So like instead of going one, one, which is a tip for Kyle, instead of going directly to one, two from one, one, usually want to go to two, one, three, one. If you can correct me if I'm wrong, Jacob, but I feel like that's the agreed upon. No, that's yeah. There are, there are five worlds open to you basically after you beat the first level and you don't want to go straight through any of them. You want to kind of hop around. Yeah. So I've beaten the first, I've beaten one, 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 two, one, three, and then also one, two, just on a whim because I ended up uh, one-shotting the the Tower Knight, which is not not the hardest boss, but it, I definitely felt like, oh, I'm just gonna farm some some souls here. But I ended up going through the fog gate and actually beating him. But yeah, I, I'm I'm pretty far in at this point. And Leo, I think you're at uh, at a one, at a two, at a one, two, three, four. Take it away. Uh, I've seen about zero hours of it so far. Okay, perfect. <laughs> Love it. Uh, Jacob Keller, how is this thing? Uh, it's good. So I'm I'm on uh, my second character of the remake, meaning I've already I've already gone through once, and I've got a bunch of other PS5 games, but I just hopped right back in again. Um, Demon wow. Souls has kind of it's really cemented. Uh, what I think the the from addiction is for me at least, which is kind of like um look, I haven't I haven't had a baby. But <laughs> oh. you know, when when yeah. people talk about having babies, sometimes yeah, you... Uh-oh. Uh-oh. We've lost everybody. My God in heaven. Am I still alive? I think so. Kind of like the joy oh. that you got at the end. Oh, hang on, and hang on. Hey, whoa, 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 hang on. Sorry, uh, I cut out. Uh, I, I. So we left off, and you saying I haven't had a baby, but I haven't had a baby, but okay, I so, mean, you missed then, all our great riffing. With a really good joke about <laughs> which level direction he should take. Like he should. Oh, go that's one, good. That's one, good. But anyway, three, go back and do terrible twos. Yeah. But anyways, could you continue that train of thought so we can cut it together, Jacob? Okay. So I haven't had a baby. <laughs> But there's there's that experience that people talk about of like maybe the process was horrible and painful and really unpleasant. But at the other side, you have a baby. And that's what you remember is like the joy of having a baby and not how much it sucked to get there. The conception isn't that bad. (laughs) That's that's what I'm talking about. People hate conception. Right. Um, So with with Demon Souls, there are a lot of levels in this game, like not just one or two but like a lot of them that i find immensely frustrating like this is kind of from before they found their worst parts and kind of sanded them down yeah Um, there's some real sharp edges in this but it's still just inherently so satisfying to to get through and beat them and the worlds are so interesting in this game that like Thinking back, I don't remember the hours on, like, a terrible puzzle boss that I spent. You know, I just remember that, like, this yeah. was a really fun experience all the way through. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm I, I'm definitely at, like, if you had talked to me about this game yesterday, I would have been uh, way more frustrated because I was uh, I was on the armor spider 
who is a boss that is a combination of puzzle and just kind of like figuring out patterns. But the I, I was way more frustrated by the run up to the spider because it was like you have to you run like for a minute and a half and there's this one guy who throws fireballs at you. And if you don't dodge, like you may as well just start over. Uh, and the spider boss itself is like this thing that constantly makes you retreat and repeat the same pattern. Uh, and I was like, I was like having, I was, I, it was really late. I was kind of, uh, you know, tired. So I went into like this kind of fit of like, no, this boss is, is ridiculous. I hate this. This sucks. This is the worst. This game, I hate it. Uh, we and call then, it a like, hissy fit where I come from. Yeah, yeah I, I, yeah, I was having a real hissy, a little baby hissy fit uh -huh. I was having. Uh, and so the next morning, I just came in and I was like, okay, I, I'm gonna upgrade my sword. I'm gonna do the thing that I should have done is to just find a better weapon. Uh, and I like I beat it really quickly. And I was like, oh, you know what? Armor spider is all right. I like you know that's a that's a fun fight. You know, it's really puzzling. You know, whatever it makes you retreat. That's cool. And and then like the next level, I'm just like, I hate Tower of Latria so much. This level sucks. And then I just beat it. <laughs> And I'm just like, oh, you know what? That's a really clever thing, the thing they, they, that they do in Tower of Latria. I, yeah. Do you remember? So, um, oh, just real quick. I remember uh, when we were at From Software for the Sekiro cover story trip, Surreal, we talked to Miyazaki mm -hmm. and asked him, because it wasn't confirmed they were remaking this, but there were a lot of rumors that Bluepoint was going to remake Demon's Souls. So we asked for his feelings on like a Demon's Souls remake happening in general. Uh, and his reaction was like, oh boy. He's like, I think about the idea of that game being remade and I get butterflies in my stomach because like we didn't know what we were doing. And like, I think he might even compared it to like somebody reading your old poetry from college or something. It's like this rough <laughs> idea. So I like what you're br bringing up, Jacob. Just like it is this lumpy, weird, you know, difficult, uneven experience here. And it's weird that people are now reliving this experience from what, 2011? Is that when the first one came out? Uh, no, it was like 20, 2009. 2009. Oh, was yeah. it really? Oh my God. Okay. Yeah. So the biggest, I think the biggest like hurdle if people are coming from like, maybe you played Bloodborne and Sekiro and, and now you're like, here's the new From game, the new old From game, um, especially in, in Sekiro and, and Dark Souls 3, you know, you still have the, the checkpoints and you run between checkpoints, and if you die between those, you lose everything, and you go back to the last one. Um, but often, especially like right before a boss, they would give you a checkpoint, and then you know if the boss is really hard, you die there. You just get to walk right back in. In Demon Souls, you have to do the whole level when you die, oh and sometimes God. you open up a shortcut. You know, you find quicker ways to get through it, but like largely this is a game of like finding your way through a pretty tough level fighting a boss that will just wreck you and and then to get back to that boss to practice more you just got to go through the level again and and that's it's hard to make excuses for that yeah. you know but like that is kind of a part of the game and on some level i still really enjoy it i think that the levels themselves here are much more interesting than uh than later souls games partially because they don't have 15 checkpoints sprinkled through them um do you think uh because i heard this interview with bluepoint games i think it was a game before interview actually where they were talking about like well it's from software's first real attempt at this formula obviously you can make a case for kingsfield and stuff but first real attempt at this formula so don't expect it to be as difficult as some of the later entries because they've ramped that up but are we saying here now that this game is still incredibly challenging i think it's um 
I think it's more frustrating without necessarily being more challenging. Interesting. Um, there are there are bosses that don't require nearly as much technical skill, but do you know in in Dark Souls three, almost every boss feels incredibly fair. That like if you know what to do, you can dodge every attack and you can really get them down. You could you do this with your eyes closed. In Demon Souls, there's still kind of a level of randomness that it feels like I'm not quite sure how to do this. There's an infamous boss, the Dragon God, which is at the end of World 2, that like, I've played this game like a half dozen times. I don't know what the intended way of getting through <laughs> this is. It just feels like <laughs> you kind of beat your head against it and it's this weird puzzle thing and eventually you get it. Yeah. Um, so it's, yeah, it's not like... The, the heights of challenge in Bloodborne or in Dark Souls 3, not here, but there are just those, like, weird parts. I, I, I think it's a more tense game. I think it is probably their most tense game because I think uh, Sekiro as a whole is harder because every obstacle it throws at you is, like, like really tough. A lot, even a lot of those, like, mini-bosses can, like, can basically stop your run cold. Whereas I think here the tension comes from... I don't know where the next, like the next checkpoint is the boss. Like this, I have maybe one, like there's a shortcut usually, and then one boss. So I've made it like 90% of the way there. You know, I'm still kind of in the exploring mode. Like, I don't know where the boss is. If I die here, I have, I'm going to lose so much progress. Uh, and I think that, but every individual challenge I think is not as hard, but it's like collectively making it to the next a thing is takes a lot longer so it is more frustrating when you die in a lot of cases yeah i uh i've heard that it's very faithful to the original blue point does not mess around with this uh to the point that is it faithful to a fault like aren't there some old clunky systems that they kept in here just because they realized fans would lose their mind if they stripped them out something about like is there something about like a mode or a duality or something to the world that people were confused about? World yeah. Tendency. So yeah. there's this thing called world tendency, which is not explained to you. Although here's something they did add. They did add like a help menu that talks about many of the systems that were otherwise not talked about. So it's kind of like a little in-game wiki, which is really helpful. And I'm, I'm glad they added that. There's this thing called world tendency. And what happens is like, you don't really know what's happening, but like if you die too much in a certain way in a level, the level will get significantly harder. And also there will be uh, new paths that open up and like maybe new NPCs to talk to, but like there will be hard enemies that you've never seen before. And it's this kind of invisible thing and it hasn't been in any other souls game yeah and that's still in here and it's uh you know it's faithfully implemented and they make it a little easier to track but yeah there's there's a lot of demon souls just like stuff they were throwing at the wall that they've <laughs> never really returned to for a reason and it's it's kind of well but it's interesting to see it here again and and it makes me wonder you know like if they were going to take this with the stuff that they've learned in the following decade, you know, how could they implement this in a more interesting way? Because I still think it's a compelling system. It's just kind of insane that it's a system where if you die a bunch, the game gets harder. Yeah. yeah. I, well, wait, I, was that in Sekiro? Am I misunderstanding? The, no, it, 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 the, the dragon rot was kind of different in that it was kind of system. It, it was would like just make A-Y. the NPCs like cough. 
Yeah, you know, like, that's okay. what happened in like, Sekiro. Gameplay, you're saying. So, so like straight up, if yes. I, I, if you die enough, like I was, I was in Tower of Latria, and I died enough that the world tendency changed, and the mind flayers in that level went from like doing most of my health to just straight up killing me with one of their attacks. Oh my god. So, so you have to start getting like used to that. And I think I think maybe the goal of that system is to get you to not bash your head against one challenge so much that you kind of lose side of what the challenge actually is to say like, oh, go play some uh, another level. You know, there are there are five paths you could be going down at any time. Um, but it is kind of this uh, this very weird thing that if you don't understand, if you haven't encountered it before, it's going to sound like it's going to feel really weird. Yeah. Uh Geller, because you are an expert on all things Blue Point, because of being obsessed with Shadow of the Colossus, and they did such an amazing job remaking that, uh, what do you think about the the art, the the actual remake part of this thing? It's a mixed bag. Um, there it is. What I would <laughs> what I would say is that this game looks a lot like later from games. You know, like it's. I hate to keep comparing it, but like that's kind of what we have. Like this looks like a dark souls 3 version of demon souls and a lot huh. of times that's really cool like there are there are aspects there's this prison that is now like incredibly kind of detailed and and you can see all the like decay and you know before it's like flat walls and now you can see all these like bricks and moss and whatever but also like the first level is is this you know castle of boletaria and before it was like just this kind of normal huge castle and the scary part about it was like oh my gosh it's just so big and it looks so powerful and now that castle is like on fire and like there there are like a million little parapets all over the place and whatever and it's so much more detailed and you get the sense that they did that because it was like well they didn't have the power to do that back then and now they can but I do think it loses a little something. So overall, I think it's still like it's great looking, especially if this is your first time playing it. Yeah, it's going to be like a visually an amazing experience. There are just some things that I think maybe got left behind from the original game. Yeah, yeah. I, I also think that like there are parts where it looks like, OK, let's just take all these textures and just make them more dense and, you know, like update all, all like the way the brick looks and everything. But some of the monsters designs for me feel like they talk to Miyazaki about it. And they like, what do you what, what tone are you trying to get across? And he said, oh, yeah, it's very gothic. And they just wrote down goth instead. <laughs> and so like it, it just feels like they took a lot of like the kind of the tragedy of, of like a gothic design of like this is just really dark and oppressive and kind of leaned slightly more towards like Darksiders art where it's just it's just oh, okay. really demonic and stuff and, and that's like, a great comparison uh where it's like you look at the the blue knights in the first level like they very much look more in that direction uh versus like and they just look like oh this is just badass versus like there's a kind of like um a a quiet sadness to a lot of these enemies. Right that's, a, right. that's a great point. The original game was not concerned with being badass ever. You know, like it just like it just <laughs> didn't care. And now it feels like because they want to sell you on like the graphics and, and how amazing this thing is, there is more of an effort to make everything like a little twisted, you know, a little <laughs> oh little wild. <laughs> twisted. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I I, I'm, say, Jacob, I'm actually coming at it. I'm I'm someone who's played a little bit of Demon Souls. I actually weirdly like when it came out, my wife really played it a lot. So I watched her play it a lot, which is funny because now she can't stand from games, but she really got it. A Demon they sold Souls out. 
Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> but uh, so I'm actually like I'm coming at it from a really nice perspective where I'm not really familiar with that. Like I wouldn't have noticed that thing you talked about with the fire and stuff like that. So I'm just getting to appreciate it as like Blue Point is great at what they do. This is a great yeah. looking like sort of like alternate sort of perspective on a from software game and i'm really enjoying it for that reason um, you know there are there are some some animation things that they've changed that i am really positive about um where there it's the same frame data but before like there's kind of one counter animation and it didn't matter if you were using like a sword or a pickaxe you would do the same thing to a guy and it looked just really corny sometimes and so now they've like they've kept the same timing but they've added these like really cool extra things where now it's like no now you're actually hitting him with a pickaxe and it looks sweet or uh there are some there's some bosses that like jiggle in this like you like they're pretty big and when you hit them they like jiggle and it's very weird but like that wasn't in the original game, and I do like it. It's just a weird addition. Yeah, that but can jiggle. you feel it in the controller? Can you feel that jiggle? That's I was too intent on the game. I need to go back and hold yeah. it up to my oh. cheek. Yeah, it, one thing that I that I I'm kind of mixed on is that like in the Tower of Lecture, there's you could constantly hear this. Was it or was it Dark Souls Three where you constantly heard this guy yelling? No, you're <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, uh, where it was just like it was this blood curling scream that just until you found the guy just felt completely random. Yeah, it it, it felt like you were hearing like the a really loud version of like the Wilhelm scream, like every like two minutes or something. Uh, But now you very clear him say, like, help me. Like, like, I'm I'm in this cell, basically, like, I'm three rooms down to the left. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, more or less. Uh, in the PlayStation 5's 3D sound, you can oh, tell exactly what you say. Yeah, uh, but I and so like that kind that part of it is like, okay, do I want this level to be more annoying or is that actually good? Uh, right. So there, there's some like minor differences that, as like someone who played the original, like you, you do end up noticing. Right. Uh, Jacob Geller, challenge, challenge being tossed at you right now, as they say. Um, <laughs> Give me the one sentence summary of Demon's Souls on PlayStation 5. Give me give me what this whole thing has taught you. Just one sentence. The sentence to summarize this entire thing. Wait, are, are you talking plot or just like overall? No, I'm talking just, just the just legacy the of the game, the impact of this release of Demon's Souls hit me. People forgive gameplay flaws either for nostalgia or for pretty graphics. There it is, everybody. Demon Souls on PlayStation 5 with Jacob Geller. Thank you for jumping in for a second. Uh, what would you like to plug, sir? Well, am I going to talk about the Pathless? <laughs> I'm path sorry. Path uh, your plug is to talk about the Pathless. <laughs> <laughs> real quick before we get to Pathless, emphasis on real quick. Surreal, I know you weren't too hot on it, but Godfall also came out on PlayStation 5. It's in the ballpark. We should probably talk about it now. Yeah. Uh, if you were looking for the uh, the launch-ass launch game that people are going to remember as the, like, cameo or knack of this generation, I think Godfall is the closest <laughs> you're going to get. Yeah. Because uh, it is definitely a game that is more about tech than it is about anything else. Uh, it, which is kind of frustrating because, like, it you in my first hour my first hours with this game were really positive like you're looking out and there's like there's all this really cool stuff in the world that's using like a lot of very busy art style to get you to look around the environment and you're seeing these collectibles and like there's a really cool system where you can find a hidden chest and it's covered in like this blue sheen but there are these like lights coming out of it that are pointing in different directions 
And so you you have to kind of follow those lights to these little like lockets or like these little balls of energy that you break. And that's how you unlock the chest. So it's like a, a puzzle. Uh, and I thought that was really cool. And I thought this was going to be more like God of War where it's like it's sort of like a Metroidvania where like there are X number of collectibles hidden all around all around the world. Yeah. But that's not what this is. This is basically like a Diablo with like more actiony combat. Um, and it looks really nice. It looks really pretty. Like everything feels like it has the appropriate amount of weight. But like the more you play it, the more that that stuff doesn't bear out. Much. Yeah. Um, and it just it just turns into like getting all these like tiny stat bonuses that you know I like doing a lot. But like they have they have stratified it so much. There are so many systems in that game that it like for an action game it just feels like okay this is gonna optimize me by like one percent. Um, for a game that is made is only like fifteen hours long, it doesn't feel like it's worth po- like spending you know a third of that time looking at th- these stat screens. Right. Um, but it looks really pretty. So if you okay. want something to to show people, hey, this is a PS5. Um, this is what the PS5 can do. Like this is that game. But yeah, yeah, definitely don't prioritize it over other stuff coming out right now. Okay, Godfall, the perfect summary. Uh, okay, The Pathless. Let's get to the sucker. Uh, this is a new game from Giant Squid, the developers of Abzu. Uh, it feels Journey inspired. Is Giant Squid some former? Well, it's that like awesome game, wintery game. Exactly. I feel like that's the most yeah. important. Well, no, no, no. The music. Matt yes. Nava, who found a giant squid, was the art director on Journey. There it is. Okay. Yes. Um, Kyle, uh, you were coming in swing and talking about how much you love this game. Yeah, I, I really like it a lot. It's actually Spider Man's a bit odd because I had to stop for our game club. Yeah. But like, it is the game that I am going all in on right now like it is it is trumping the other stuff yeah i I started it last night and i realized like oh boy this is a kyle hillier to ask game like it's got the cryptic (laughs) narrative that you love and it's got an open world with a novel traversal mechanics you can jump off cliffs and glide Uh, it's i actually it's funny because i um i was playing last guardian a little bit because i wanted to see it in 60 so i played like you know the first 45 minutes of last guardian yeah and then, like, I started playing this, and, and you like you start on a beach. I was like, oh, this for some reason, I, this kind of reminds me of the Ico Beach a little bit. I don't know why it just does. And then, like, you immediately meet this giant bird, and you're like interacting with the giant bird. I'm like, right. okay, this this kind of makes me think of maybe it's because I was just hanging out with Trico, but I'm thinking of Trico. And then I walk into this cave, and there's like a dead body laid out on like a pedestal, like Shadow of the Colossus. And I was just like, okay, well, that makes me think of Shadow of the Colossus. And it's and then like there's a giant bridge that looks like it's from shadow of the colossus like in the opening area and it's like i'm i'm referencing all these gen design team ico things and they're it definitely like it's kind of in the back of my mind but it is very much its own game because it's all about like high speed sprinting through these open areas and like popping off arrows to speed yourself up and it yeah. just feels so good i just like I love it. Like I and I didn't like Abzu very much. Like I thought right. Abzu was ended up kind of really pretty game, but kind of boring. Where this I just feel is like so active and interesting. Like it's I love moving around. I love the boss battles. They're really yeah. cool. I would love to it's know. Just, the, I love it. I would love to know the origins of this game's like core mechanics because it's so weird. But I never thought that I could feel so good, which is just running and then you use the arrow to shoot these objects in the world which increase your boost and keep you running at a weird brisk pace. It's such Are a Are you telling me that when you were playing Journey you weren't thinking I wish I could be shooting stuff? <laughs> yeah, time? you know what? It never crossed my mind. But yeah, Geller, what do you think about this? I I like it. I'm a little cooler on it than Kyle, but uh, like it is it is beautiful and it's got, you know, these kind of like 
yeah, they're not, I don't think they're like super intentional homages to Ueda, but like, you know, my my favorite guy basically <laughs> has one made dude. very pretty games with this stuff in it. Yeah, I really. It's, it's, a, it's like it, like you said, like not dark inspired, but it's like they've definitely played. Tiaka I mean, they're games, fans. And of they course, like they're them, fans. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Um, I I love the size of the world. You know, like your character moves really quickly, but also the areas that you're moving around are really big. And so it feel it's a cool combination of like, I feel like I'm covering a huge distance, but also these mountains feel really far apart and stuff like that. There is some some like puzzle stuff. There's actually a lot of puzzle stuff that kind of ranges from inoffensive to kind of annoying. Like and none of it's none of it's bad, but I just like I don't want to be doing block on switch puzzles in this game. You know, and like that is kind of the style of puzzle is like you get your hawk to pick something up and then it drops it on this switch and then this door opens and you go through it. And it's it's fine. Like none of them have been frustrating. They all, you know, like kind of come together. Yeah. But it's not the fun part. And the fun part is like running around and shooting these arrows. And I feel like I'm doing a lot of the puzzles. Yeah, Yeah. I I mean, I. I actually I like the puzzles because they they toe that line to me of like not bordering into frustrating really well and like they do definitely the further you get the more the less they lean on getting your uh, hawk or eagle to like pick up blocks and it's more about lining up hoops to shoot arrows through and like lining up fire to like shoot an arrow through fire to light something else. It's never too complicated, but I I don't know it just it's really clicking with me in that way of just like. I, it, you kind of come across them pretty naturally as you're like moving around the environment. And it's always like that thing of like, I can figure this out. I can do this. I have everything I need. There's not some missing element here. The the sort of the tools that I have are very simple. It's just jumping and shooting. And uh, I don't know. It's just, it's very clean and straight to the point. It's just like, like you said, Hanson, it's just like a game that's just like very much like, just there's a lot of stuff in it that I personally like to see in video games. Right, you know? right. That's cool. Yeah. The, the there's p- there's oh, wow. a really uh, interesting aspect of this that's the only comparison I have is the Mad Max game, which uh, sounds like a, a weird swing. But there's this this big storm that's on the map, basically. It's like you have this map and then once you do enough stuff and you fight a boss, you kind of clear it and then it's healthy. But before you clear it, it's it's raining and it's kind of dark and there's this big storm and it moves around dynamically. And so sometimes you'll be somewhere and you'll realize that the storm is is right behind you and you got to run away from it, like basically as fast as you can. And it's it's really interesting that it it feels like you're you know running from a tornado or something. And then if you get caught in the storm, you're put in this kind of wild stealth section where there's this like big, angry fire monster or something that's bearing down on you and you have to avoid it and it's not a game where you can die or even really get hurt but it still is like oh i gotta get away from the storm man i don't want to i don't want to mess with this fire thing yeah oh that's cool uh the pathless uh it's out on epic game store and playstation 5 is that it yeah apple arcade yeah really uh, yeah wow Uh, I, i have it on pc do you think it's worth getting the PS4 version or figuring out if the haptic stuff works on PC? 
It doesn't. Um, also, Kyle needs to figure out how to unmute his mic. <laughs> Your mic's muted, Kyle. <laughs> yeah, you guys sorry about that. Uh, I, yeah, Soriel, I know they updated recently Steam. Well, you're probably playing on Epic Game Store, yeah. right? Okay, because Steam can use the dual the dual sense now. Oh, okay, yeah, because um, it's not that it's not amazing. I don't I, think I it's... do. I do like it. Like I, th- it's it's one of the um, vi- like I was talking earlier with, when when it comes to the dual sense like capabilities. I do I do think it works really well in this because it lets you not necessarily look at the circle as it fills. Like you can feel when it's time to release the arrow. So I think the DualSense controller like functionally makes it easier to play. That being said, Serial, I don't know if I would like say like, oh, you need to play it with a DualSense. It's better with a DualSense, but I, I think it is improved. You know, huh. yeah. uh, and, turn- and it's it also is representative. I'm sorry, I, I'm talking a lot, and I feel like I'm cutting you a lot off a lot, Jacob. I don't I don't mean to. I'm sorry, but like it's the kind of integration of DualSense that like I want to see moving forward, where it like integrates into gameplay rather than just kind of being a novelty. Right. Uh, it turns out it's also on PlayStation 4. But that's the pathless. Um, and also, full disclosure, uh, we're going to be plugging a physical edition of that later on in the show from IM8-Bit. But to be fair, uh, Kyle didn't know that until right now. So I feel pretty good about that. <laughs> I, I paid like for it with money. There we go. Uh, all right. Uh, thank you so much uh, for being here. Uh, Kyle and Jacob, do you want to you clap out? But before you do that, um, you both have to say something nice about each other and plug something of your own. Kyle, what would you like to do to kick this off, please? So I, I, well, I'll just plug Jacob's YouTube channel. It's fantastic. He does <laughs> incredible a, essays. It's a two-in-one. Where he talks by himself without me <laughs> suddenly cutting him <laughs> off when he says something mildly negative about the Pathless. That's really <laughs> Only shrewd. Only at Kyle's house do you get that hurt. <laughs> <laughs> way to steal someone else's plugs, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jacob yeah. Geller. Um, well, uh, Kyle often messages me specifically when he thinks that he's found a game that I really would like, uh, with both the Pathless and Pistol Whip, uh, last year or whatever. Um, and he was correct both times. So even though we haven't spent that much time together, I feel like you have a really good sense of my, my gaming taste. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. Uh, all right. Do you two want to clap out at the exact same time, the exact same millisecond? Jeff Marchiafava, welcome to the podcast, sir. I'm here. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You arrived just in time for a little somebody we like to call DJ Leo. Uh, Leo is madly in love, much in the same way, Jeff, when you're in love with your newborn child. Leo's in love with Fuser from Harmonix, the new DJ game that's technologically the successor to Drop Mix, but now it is a $60 game on last gen and pc leo fuser wow us why do you love this thing so much oh <laughs> i wish we could do another goatee hunt you know because it's the whole campaign is one long tutorial introducing feature after feature yeah and by the time you get to the end of it it is crazy everything you can do in this game it's like we all know we all know the drop mix tech Correct. You put in a piece of a song the drums of party rock anthem the vocals of panic at the disco's high hopes mm. You know, the rhythm section of All Star. And then the game somehow makes it sound good together. Right. And you can switch up the key, slow down the tempo. You're mixing it on the fly. You feel like a music god. And that's all stuff you could do in Drop Mix. But what Fuser introduces over time is more and more ways to make switches where the timing is perfect. It'll show you, like, this is a good pickup part. If you switch 
to this vocal track at this time, it's going to come in right on like the big hit and it's going to sound amazing, which right. drop mix, you just couldn't have that timing be perfect. It was more like the mix itself in general. You know, yeah. it's more of a party game. This is more precise, more of an actual video game where so you're graded on your timing. For example, it would show you like in drop mix, you hit the card and sometimes it'd be like the funniest thing that would happen magically, but often it wouldn't, of dropping that card right on, oh, wah, ah, ah. I can't do it. You know, Jeff, do the, the goal. do the ooh, wah, ah, ah, thing. Uh, his mic cut out, but trust right. me, it sounded perfect. Perfect. Okay, so that type of thumb. thing of like, this is when the drop is, this is when you really want to hit it, do it right now. Yes, and it's it's all about that, which feels amazing. It's very fun to do that in like co-op freestyle mode is just try and make your friends laugh, switching off, uh, building on each other's mixes, which is great. But even more than that, by the end of the campaign, you are you have your own custom instruments. What? So you can you can get different drums, different synthesizers. You can get a string section, and you can just play around on this little like four by four pad and make loops of varying lengths and drop them in and work them into a song. Just original custom loops you're putting in, and you also get effects. So you can kind of like one track at a time or the whole thing, just like do uh fade it all down make it all you know how you know how music sounds yeah before good. it drop you know it gets all washed out and then it comes back in a big way and you get points right. on the the timing for that all that stuff is so much fun and there's such a high skill ceiling to it that wasn't there in drop mix it's very fun going in a public freestyle and just like watching people who are amazing at it oh can you it's do like that fun can you just like you jump in like you're just watching streams yeah, and you can just, you'll get more XP that way the more people are in a room, so you're really incentivized to join a public room. Like, if me and my friend are booting up, we'll just join a public room, be two people in a group of four, just switching off and building off each other's mixes. That's and, like, so making fun. requests from each other. You know, even if you're just in the viewers, you can still go, I want to hear a song from the 90s. I want to hear you riff something out on the horns. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I love because like I think we're both excited about this game. I haven't gone back to it and played it more, but I should. I should like get through that campaign. You're saying? Definitely. It it becomes so much of a free form thing where I was getting so distracted late in the campaign, just making the mix sound good and like missing these requests because I wanted to just build on the mix that I was working on. Yeah. And it's so fun to have it such a creative gameplay loop. Like it is gamified in a stronger way than Drop Mix where it is fun to go for the scores that get you the higher rewards, the cosmetics and the points to buy more songs and more instruments. But it is also just like, I feel like I'm doing really good because the song is sounding good. It's a really unique thing. And I think it is an amazing use of the technology that doesn't invalidate it at all. Like drop mix is still a fun party version of this. And then this is like the more gamified version. Uh, I am so curious to see your freaky ass top 10 list. Not to call Harmonix's <laughs> newest creation freaky ass, but I'm kind of, I just cannot wait because I feel like everyone so you'll drop some reference like, oh, this game that you never heard of, that's absolutely making my top 10. And so I just want to see what this thing looks like when it's, it's locked down. But like, do you know where Fuser is landing roughly at this point? It'll be in the top five. Top five. That's amazing. Uh, so- can, can Leo make a theme song for like the top, the two tens list? for that episode oh yeah you should just Definitely. do all the music for it yeah would that get uh struck down have you had a lot of copyright issues leo our goatee hunt on min max did not get struck my personal stream got struck just because Nudity. for one part my friend put on like three parts of party rock anthem 
for his mix and then you know yeah kind of okay. asking for it does it have any kind of export function or does that just take you directly to an, a dmca takedown <laughs> <laughs> i think there is an export function there wasn't drop mix i've heard yeah. complaints about the version in this one but uh yeah, I mean, you can you can just record your screen or whatever. It's probably the easiest way yeah. to do it. I do think they do have an export thing in there as well. But yeah, they should have like a meter on the side that's just like Twitch, <laughs> YouTube algorithm. <laughs> the copyright like, infringement meter. Yeah, yeah. Don't get too close. Don't drop that. Uh, that's great. Right. Fuser is the name of that one. I'm glad that uh, I'm glad you're enjoying it. I need to go back and check it out more. Um, Surreal. Mm-hmm. The time has come for you to unload on Destiny 2 Beyond Light. The new expansion. I I love that your passion for Destiny 2 is just to the level of you got the new console, you're going right for Destiny 2. There's so much new experience and you want that beyond light magic, baby. Bro, the the loading times on this game are way better now. So it's like a, no, a totally different experience. Uh, uh-huh. you know, I, I like a lot of what they're doing. Um, the campaign, I think, is probably the best they've done since Forsaken. And it, it's oh, probably wow. like my second favorite campaign they've done in Destiny. Um it deals with like some of the classic characters are finally doing a lot of the stuff they should have done earlier. Like the darkness is finally kind of the main bad guy now. Um, I, I really like a lot of the stuff they're doing with the fallen of them. Cause basically the, the short version of the story of the fallen is yeah. they used to be the people that had the traveler's blessing before human humanity did. And then they got abandoned. And so now they're, they were, they've basically been looking for a new God and it turns out that's like the darkness, right? And so a lot of them are conflicted about like, we don't want to use the darkness because it's evil, but but we like we were abandoned by the traveler. So, you know, sc- like screw every other kind of morality. I think that stuff is really cool. They do a really cool thing because now they introduce these uh, ice powers, stasis basically, that are that's basically like evil ice. I don't know. <laughs> um, so you, you use these stasis powers and the way they introduce them to you is like, the whole point is that like, oh, uh, to defeat, you know, what's coming, um, you're going to have to use the power of darkness because the light can't stop what's coming, right? Because uh, so it's what beyond they do, light, some would say. Yeah, so, yeah. So when you pick up these, when you're you're trying to kind of commune with the darkness to say, hey, give me some power, it makes you more powerful than you've, like, ever been in Destiny because your super is constantly full. All of your abilities are, like, always maxed out. So you're oh, constantly cool. throwing out all this darkness. And, th- and so, like, there are these segments where, like, there are just waves of enemies coming at you and you just kill them. But then they start introducing these bosses that are strong enough to actually compete with how powerful you are now. Uh, so, like, they take a lot longer to kill, and you start feeling like, oh, if I didn't have the darkness, I wouldn't be able to beat these guys. And that's a really cool trick for them to pull off. And and uh, so it's, like, corrupting you as well? Is it, like, a real Lord of the Rings yeah, thing? Yeah, like, we can't like, keep relying on this. Yeah, your ghost is, like, kind of concerned. Like, hey, look, I, if I lose my connection to the Traveler, you can't come back to life again. I don't know if the darkness will give you something similar, but I'm just like, I'm really trepidatious about this. Yeah. So that part is cool. It doesn't like, which is the thing that they've done for a long time is that the, the campaign doesn't fully resolve. And I'm guessing that's just going to be because the raid isn't out yet. Um, which is sort of like even how even forsaken kind of ended at the raid. Um, I think that stuff is, is cool. The ice powers I think are all right. I think they're more creative than they are good. Uh, in single player because it's just like oh you throw out a nice it makes a wall you can break it and the, that'll do a bunch of damage but all the other ones are just you throw a grenade on and it does damage right um <laughs> but in multiplayer they're just completely like just the most aggravating thing because all the ice powers freeze you but they don't kill you yeah, so you'll be stuck there for a little while and then you just die isn't it just turning all of multiplayer like the entire crucible into just yep. a bunch of matches with may from overwatch 
basically yeah that's basically what it is because it's like hell yeah uh so i'm i don't know if they're gonna pad like how they're gonna balance that but right now yeah crucible is maybe the my least favorite part okay um and then the other thing they did that i think is really cool is they basically just finally gave up and said fine this game is destiny one uh (laughs) so like they add they added back the cosmo drone yeah Uh, they've they added the moon last year uh, and the leveling is more akin to Destiny One, where any any item that you uh, drop that drops potentially can make you more powerful. Versus before, where there were like these specific goals that if you do this, you will get your your powerful reward that will level you up. Whereas now it's like you if you play for long enough, you're just gonna keep slowly getting stronger. And I think that makes the, the um, like for dedicated players that makes the grind a lot better. Uh, so I've been enjoying that. Um, but you know like these things play out very slowly over the course of the season. Uh, and I like where the season is going. They have a really like monster hunter light kind Ooh. of thing where you, you, you set this lure down a month, like an, an, like a, a boss comes and then you're like, you almost kill it and then it runs away. And then you're like, it gives you like the fireflies from, from monster hunter world. Yeah. Where it's like, go, go track this guy down, kill it. And then a stronger boss comes and fights you there. And then you kill it and then you get a reward. And I think that's, kind of, that's like not the craziest thing, but it's I, I like how they're contextualizing that stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm really enjoying it so far. Oh, that's great to hear. Um, I, this is very naive of me. What, what's the deal? Is this all free to play? What you do I have play? to spend to play Beyond Light right now? Uh, so right now, I think you can do the first mission of the new campaign for free, and then you have to buy the, the access to the moon, the Europa, the new moon. Uh, if you're just starting out, like all the free to play stuff, I think is like the regular, like Crucible, uh, Gambit, and Strikes. I think are all free. And then there's also this new New Light campaign uh, that basically takes you to like some of the early missions of Destiny One, because they have the Cosmodrome now. Yeah. They introduce this new character called Shahan, uh, who kind of guides, who's kind of like there uh, when you start your journey. And like the first cutscene of like the New Light campaign is the first cutscene from Destiny. It's the one where they're on Mars and they see the Traveler. Um, and then the first two missions are straight up ripped from Destiny 1. Um, this is this is very naive, again, from 30,000 foot view. Like, I liked... I've liked playing Destiny in my life. I really enjoyed the Taken King era of Destiny. And I feel like with the launch of the new consoles and them kind of redoubling down on, hey, this is a platform moving forward. We're going to evolve it here. I feel like having destiny two in the headline or in the title is weird. If it was just called just destiny again, mm-hmm. or just even destiny beyond light, I feel like it'd be more alluring. Cause like, I don't know, yeah. Jeff, have you played destiny before? Yeah. Um, and I played serial. Did we do raids in destiny two yep. together? We, we did the first raid, the, the, okay. Okay. I could, I couldn't remember if it was the first one or the second one, but yeah, I, I played a little more of destiny two than I did destiny one as well, but I, I'm in that same camp of like, I'm so far behind that yeah. I wouldn't even know where to start at this point. Yeah. And I don't, I think, they're, I don't think they're doing a good job of getting out of their orbit. This is maybe just, you know what I've been following, but like I I'm looking for the on ramp, but when I see destiny two beyond light and now I don't know what costs what I'm just kind of turned off and I don't want to go near yeah, it. Yeah. I, w- I would definitely say that it, it's still kind of a little intimidating to get in. I think you have a lot of compounding stuff that it's like, okay, what well, like which one of the goals they just showed on my screen should I go chase? Right. But I think new light is a good place to start and it's free. Um, Xbox Series X Game Pass has it. Like, that's just a thing that at launch. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I forgot about that. That's crazy. uh, It's on there. So you can just access all of Europa. It's weird because it's also cross-safe. So it's like, 
you, you, you if you go back to ps5 you basically don't have that content anymore um but oh. yeah I, I think it's a decent and it's better than it's been in a long time to okay. start from destiny but i you are still gonna have to climb a little bit to, to get to where it gets really interesting for me as a dedicated player right Leo, you look like you've been just ready to scream something over the last four minutes. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I I will say I'm also in the boat of like, is it time to get into Destiny? And then I this game this expansion comes out and I scroll the Steam reviews and it's all like it's there's never been a worse time for new players to start Destiny. No, really, and that scares me off. But what I've been thinking about is uh, this this crucible business. Yeah, I mean the PVE and PvP in one game with the same gear is a beautiful dream, but I don't know who's doing it right was was there ever a high point in destiny's history for you where like crucible and the regular game were balanced perfectly and working in tandem because i feel like division two is had so much so many problems with that too yeah for sure i th- that's definitely like their biggest problem as a game is that like they have to figure out how to balance both of those without saying like well this gun is only a crucible gun this gun is only a you know pve gun but yeah. i think forsaken actually was a pretty good point because there wasn't anything that was ridiculously overpowered um, but yeah, right now it definitely feels like, I don't know how they kind of fix the problems with that uh, class. Like, it's not even that it's like the best class in the game by far. It's, it's just unfun to play against. Like being frozen isn't a good idea. Like you don't, <laughs> right. you don't enjoy it. No one enjoys that. Right, right. Um, Never try it, everybody. But yeah, Destiny 2 Beyond Light out on absolutely everything known to man. Speaking of Activision, actually not speaking of Activision, I guess. This is weird. Not anymore. Anyways, hey, Call of Duty, everybody. Black Ops Cold War came out last week. I've played a little bit of the campaign, the first maybe five missions or so. Uh, and Jeff, um, you, you struck me as interested in the campaign, and you said that you actually are enjoying it. Yeah, I beat it. I beat it last night. Oh, and nice. I played some... A sampling, a little sampler of of the multiplayer offerings. Um, right, this but year. mainly the campaign. Uh, yeah, what you think of yeah. it? Uh, I liked it. I think it's it's doing some interesting stuff that isn't super sexy, but that I appreciate. Kind of filling in the gaps that I've had for a long time with, like the storytelling in Call of Duty has just never been good because it's always just. The the entire narration of the game is just someone talking over like the loading screens for the next level. You I, that's know, some very antiquated takes on Call of Duty. I think Modern Warfare was great. I it was it was okay, but it's it's still it's still just like cutscene go into a level, cutscene go into a level. Sure. And there's there's not a lot of character building in that. And I, I think the interesting thing about this one is that you have kind of a, a headquarters that you go back to in between missions and and it has an you know an evidence board that has basically briefings for every mission that you're going to do and it has background evidence that kind of fleshes everything out and then your entire team is there there and you can talk to them kind of they do like the skyrim zoom in and you can ask them a <laughs> bunch of different questions right and it, it it just builds out the characters a little more and it builds out the missions and you know what your you know what your your ultimate goal is. You know, like from from the very beginning, you just have a picture of a dude's head there. It's like we gotta go, we gotta go find that guy, and we gotta kill him. And and you're kind of filling out all the different evidence and missions around it. And the the really interesting thing is that two of the missions they kind of call them side missions, but they're they're missions that you can do anytime. But they warn you that you have to collect evidence in order to kind of figure out what the deeper conspiracy is on those two missions. 
and you get that evidence by doing the other missions and actually finding that stuff within those missions. And then yeah. and then you have like little puzzles that you have to figure out for both of them to kind of, you know, like crack this decrypt this floppy disk to to figure out, you know, where his spy ring is or, you know, like figure out which targets you're going after. And yeah. that that stuff was a little more interesting to me. Yeah, it's like even in the beginning I can't help but see that and seeing kind of like, okay, you go up to this board, you go to the next mission, you can go to different areas, different times, and just think about like the stories of the development of this game, how it started out as a campaign from Sledgehammer, then it was pulled in, then I think Raven mainly focused on the campaign, and then Treyarch supported them in a lot of other ways. And so just seeing that like, okay, is that Vietnam level just there because they were building a Vietnam-centric game, they didn't want to throw away all those assets, and they're just trying to stitch it together now in this way that can only be no, represented by having the big surely board. Surely not. I mean, who the hell I, knows? I, it's for art. Uh, I, I'm I sure from the very beginning, Hanson, because that Vietnam level is like, they're like, well, okay, we're going to go back and we're going to think about this thing we did <laughs> yes. back in 1968 or whatever <laughs> right. and see if we remember anything. <laughs> I'm sure that was all planned you it's know, from the seamless. beginning of how they were going to handle that. The story but so yeah. far, the story so far is very uh, cool guys and cool women being cool in the eighties. Yeah, that's what you're into. I mean, that's that's certainly what they're going for. Um, but they but they do have some they do have some moments, and this is what I've wanted to see from Call of Duty for a long time. And they don't they don't quite get there, but it's a baby step towards it, where they actually give you some decisions within the missions that right. affect the outcome. And so it's like, what what are you going to do with this character once you finally get to them, and some other things that you're that you're doing that, and w- at least one of them actually leads to it, like completely splits off into two completely different missions that you can play, and that's kind of what I've always wanted from the Call of Duty, you know, campaigns at this point of like, I want the gameplay and what I'm doing in these missions to actually matter beyond if I die, then we just rewind 30 seconds and I, and then I, I do it right the next time, you know? Yeah. And so there, there aren't, there aren't any like, you know, like actual performance based choices or branching off, but you, but you're kind of, we're kind of moving in that direction of like, okay, what are you going to do in this moment? We're going to give you 10 seconds. You have to decide what you're going to say under this situation and that's going to have some kind of effect later on in the story. There, it's not a lot of them aren't huge effects to what's right. going on, but I I appreciate that. Also, they they really they kind of shift up like the gameplay from mission to mission more. Like they they get some more variety in it. There's more like infiltration missions, and they'll they'll you know at one point you're tailing this guy and you have to go into his apartment and you have to kind of you know place like a tracking beacon in his suitcase but like his his like wife and children are in there and you're kind of like trying to get around the house without oh running God. into them and stuff they they're, they're just some more interesting missions beyond the kind of what they showed you know which was like the airstrip mission was the first thing that they showed for the game which is very much classic call of duty you know shooting fish in a barrel kind of mm-hmm. action piece and it, it gets a little more interesting than that yeah, it's interesting you're talking about like branching paths and stuff. Because God, am I? I'm trying to go through the Call of Duty history. It's such a jumbled mess. But I think didn't Black Ops Two have some of that like branching paths thing? And it's weird then because then this is going back and it's like an alternate sequel to Call of Duty Black Ops. So it's like also a Black Ops Two in a weird, confusing way. But yeah, 
It's I it's I feel like I've played every Black Ops game and I remember so little about the campaigns from them. But it's a little bit just of that but, mood. Like you want the Cold War spy mystery yeah. thriller, Ronald Reagan yeah, screaming you, orders at you. Well, yeah, something like that. <laughs> but you, you get the spy stuff. You you certainly get like the paranoia paranoia and like you know brainwashing. It gets trippy towards the end, which Ooh, I appreciate. Um, so it's it was a solid campaign. Oh, I enjoyed playing through it. Oh, that's yeah. fantastic. Yeah, I got to go back to it. Uh, I jumped in and played a little multiplayer this morning. And I have like a Sony sent us the PlayStation headphones for the PlayStation 5, which are solid are fine. They haven't really blown me away so far. But the most impressive I've been is with the multiplayer in Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War. Like maybe just the set piece stuff that I've played in the campaign hasn't been that dynamic yet so far in this in the game but in multiplayer at least like it's really cool just to have that low rumble of explosions all around you and it's like oh this is a good way to show off that tech there so can you hear people's little footsteps as they're running up behind you not for me because they never sneak up behind oh. me <laughs> um got, sure. yeah playing this game there <laughs> yeah but playing this game i uh I was like, oh man, I should jump back into Warzone. Like, I just assumed downloading this game would also download Warzone, and I could just jump right, in, right back into that, and it's all interconnected. Uh, 185 gigs is what Warzone's sitting at these days for a separate download. It's like, that's just my entire PlayStation 5 if I want to play Black Ops Cold War and Warzone, which is insane. Yeah, that, that's absurd. And I was going down the list of like, okay, doing some multiplayer, doing some zombies. And then when you click on Warframe it's or Warfare, it's just like, okay, we're going to so, open Warfare for you now. It's like, well, okay, I'll I'll skip that. Thank you. Right, right. It's Warzone, but who can keep track of it? It's complicated. Yeah. I'm wondering speaking, Warfare too. It's true. Yeah. Speaking of, <laughs> of being hard for newcomers, I mean, even though I play every Call of Duty, like the, the multiplayer is just so hard to get into. I felt like Modern Warfare did a little better of a job yeah. that last year of kind of onboarding people, but this is just it's it's unintelligible if you if you, <laughs> I mean like like you mean even the loadout having, menu stuff or the actual yeah plan? yeah and and like just getting to the loadout. I mean everything is also locked, which which doesn't help. They'll you'll you'll play a couple matches and you'll get your butt kicked because everyone else is already way ahead of you on the progression track and then it's like okay you unlock this new this new feature we're going to give you a little blurb about what it does but then you don't have anything unlocked in that you know like you can customize this weapon but you're going to have to play with it for another dozen hours until you get enough attachments unlocked in order to actually customize it the way you want to play and stuff and it's yeah. It's a it's a tough one to jump into. I think it's also faster than Modern Warfare's multiplayer mm. was last year, and so that that also makes it a little less newcomer friendly. But yeah, I had some good matches. So oh, good. Yeah, I'm hoping to check out uh, Zombies with some friends too. I'm curious to how that's evolved over the years. But I'm also really curious to see who is tackling Call of Duty next year, because with this chaotic development of it jumping between developers, it's like is Infinity Ward back up again next year, or is Sledgehammer? Once they handed it off to Treyarch and Raven, are they taking a step back? And are they then building up next year's? Are they going to take a break next year? I am in love with Call of Duty's development. I think it's a fascinating saga within the game industry. And they have had a crazy streak rolling. So I'm curious to see how this does. Um, hey, Leo. Hey, man. Um, What's up? Yeah, not much. I was just wondering if you knew how this whole thing operated. I knew it. Yeah. I knew that's the only reason you to talk to me. Just answer the question, please. I need. I Patrons! Need. Woo! 
wonderful patrons at patreon.com slash minmax with two ends. Uh, we have the Discord, by the way, which you get access to if you support us at any tier, which is uh, the Shangri-La on the internet. It's just wonderful. Everybody's so nice in there. Specifically, the Better Quest channel will actually melt your heart because everyone's so nice. But there was somebody who jumped in the suggestion channel today and they said that we need to scream two ends more. That we really got away from that throughout the course of this whole operation, Jeffum. So mm. I think we're just like politely saying that the URL has two ends in it, which isn't cutting it for some people out there. Oh, so, okay, we got to be angry about it. Angry that? and interrupt at any moment, please, to let people know that okay. there are two ends. Um, hey, have you ever felt out of sync with gaming news? Then get synced up with a synced up podcast, a fellow Central Time Zone podcast that covers everything from gaming opinions, detailed recaps of the weekly gaming news, and fun games sprinkled in between. In between! <laughs> Back in February, <laughs> we decided to finally take the leap and chase our podcasting dreams, and we haven't stopped since. You can find the audio version by searching Synced Up Podcast in your favorite podcasting service and look for the blue and white logo. Or if you prefer video, you can find us over at youtube.com slash podcast, where we also have other gaming-related content. If you check us out and decide to stay, you can look forward to the new upcoming impressions, non-gaming-related shows too. Again, that's youtube.com slash podcast or search Synced Up Podcast in your favorite podcasting service and please look for the blue and white logo we hope to see you there thank you so much to our friends at synced up podcast for supporting us in a big way and getting uh getting a nice plug on the podcast if you would like a plug on the podcast you can always go to patreon.com slash minmax do i have three three ends, you bastard <laughs> three three ends including patreon it's important to be clear oh yeah that is a good point uh and uh we'll read a plug for whatever you'd like but i love these folks uh deciding to make their own YouTube channel, getting some friends together, recording podcasts, and then reach out to us to get a plug. And so we're happily plugging Synced Up Podcast. Good content. Most importantly, great audio quality. Uh, They have a video up recently talking about their thoughts on the PlayStation 5 so far, talking about kind of the fall of uh, Marvel's Avengers, which is you know, not been doing the best in terms of player count, everything like that. So they talk about that on a recent episode. So please check out Synced Up Podcast. Thank you for your support. Also, thank you to I Am 8-Bit, who wants everybody to know that they have in their wonderful online store the PlayStation 5 physical edition of The Pathless from Annapurna. And this edition comes with a giant fold-out poster, reversible cover, sheet collectible art cards, there's a set of six, exclusive artwork by Emmy winner Elaine Lee, uh, worldwide compatible disc as well. So check out the physical edition of The Pathless from Annapurna. As you heard from Kyle Hilliard earlier in the show, he likes it a lot. Uh, also, they have the vinyl soundtrack, uh, a double album on vinyl for The Pathless, and it's composed by Austin Wintry, who you might know as the composer to Journey. Uh, he did an Assassin's Creed. He's on one of my favorite gaming podcasts these days, Play, Watch, Listen. So show them some love, and you can use the promo code MINMAXFEAST, all one word, for 10% off everything in the I'm 8-Bit online store that's under $100. MINMAXFEAST. Don't Do forget it. Perfect. Uh, Hey, thanks I made bit for supporting us uh, and they support the community as well by shipping out a prize each and every week from the wonderful online store and that prize goes out to the question of the week, the greatest question that's submitted on Patreon every week. Again, if you support us at any tier, you can submit a question and then be in the running as well. Uh, this week, the winner gets a copy of Watam, that game, uh, and it's the Sushi nice. Edition. It has a beautiful box art with just a cool sushi overlay on it so it's the physical edition of watam so it's a very cool game the playstation 4 edition specifically y'all ready for the big community questions let's do it 
Suriel, I want you to really be ready for these. <laughs> the entire no, time. Get copyright strike. No, no, bring it down, <laughs> bring it down. Uh, Osama Abu Hilal writes in and says, Hey, CLCs, it looks like a lot of games for next gen are also going to be backwards compatible. When do you think the next batch of games will come out to be exclusively next gen? This is a good question. Now, batch. The batch. Yeah, batch mm. is a weird term, but it's interesting. Like, Jim Ryan had an interview with Telegraph this week, um, had a PlayStation over there, um, where they tried to ask him, like, hey, is God of War Ragnarok coming out on PS4? And he basically said, hey, what's that over there? It was just like the biggest dodge <laughs> ever. So I'm so convinced that that game coming out next year is going to be on the PS4 as well. Um, but when do you think we're going to get the big batch that's going to be fully next gen? 2022. I think, yeah, outside of God of War Ragnarok, I would say probably fall 2021. Even you know, Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart, I think they said that's first half of 2021, and that is going to be exclusive. So I don't know if you count yeah. that as a batch, but that's going to be opening no, the door a little bit. I don't more. count that as a batch. I'm thinking, I'm thinking like this this stretch of like Assassin's Creed, Call of Duty kind of third party titles, I think they're all still going to be xbox one ps4 as well next year yeah i bet you're right i didn't even think about that assassin's creed is probably going to be cross-gen again next year yeah i mean ps4 is like a really great install base right like better than usual oh yeah it's huge it's 100 million i believe yeah i think we might see a little longer crossover especially since stuff is backwards compatible anyway yeah yeah ps4 is at 112.1 million that's stunning they're not gonna throw that away um right. so yes it, it could be a while but i understand i understand the frustration even like call of duty you know i was excited to be like oh playstation 5 call of duty let's see how it looks it looks good but it's not like the technical showpiece i was really expecting i think last mm. generation even ghost was like a, oh this is cool to play on my new system whereas this not quite to that same degree um mm. jared be about Right, same with a similar thing, saying with the release of the new generation of consoles and the rumors of a Switch successor next year, I thought it'd be fun to play the game new gen or cross gen. Rules are pretty simple. I'm going to name some game series and you will have to guess if the next game in the series will be exclusive to next gen or if it'll be cross gen. For the sake of the game, let's pretend that the games that come out on the next Switch, the Super Switch, whatever you want to call it, will not play on the original Switch. Sure. Okay. Assassin's Creed. Everybody agreeing that's cross gen? next entry yes yeah the two separate assassin's creed games for two separate generations will not happen again uh gears of war gears of war 6 whatever you want to call it will that be playable on an xbox one i bet not i'm gonna go yes oh you say yes yeah well what what have they set any kind of release date for they haven't said anything I mean, Gears Tactics technically just came out on console, so it's still a while before they'll announce what this thing's going to be. But the fact that with Avowed, is that the Obsidian one? I always get that name wrong. Um, But that is going to be, you know, current gen only. I don't know, Gears? I don't know if they'd want to drag it out that far in the past by the time it's out. Yeah, I think with the multiplayer side of it, I could see them saying the multiplayer is cross-compatible, but the campaign isn't. Yeah. In a weird way. Hmm. Uh, Jared has a hot take. That's weird serial, but yeah, it's interesting. Uh, Jared has a hot take here. Uh, Uncharted. First of all, the idea of Uncharted coming back is bizarre. Uh, yeah, that's ambitious at this point. Um, I'm going to say, say next gen. Be exclusive. Yeah. I think if it ever came back, yeah. But the only team that I think could do it 
I'm sure Bluepoint could pull it off, but you know, I think Sony Bend had that experience making the Vita version, but they've just been, you know, working so hard to build up their open world experience with Days Gone. I don't think Sony's going to want to take that team and corral them back to a more linear experience like Uncharted, unless it's open world Uncharted. But if that happens, that's definitely new gen. Um, GTA, will that be cross gen when it comes out? GTA 6. I think that's far enough that it won't be. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Because that'll be like 2022, 2023, or whatever the hell. 2024. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 2025. Whatever number you want. Uh, Ghost of Tsushima, the sequel. I think that'll also be next gen. I could see that. Yeah. Because that's what, 2023 or four, probably? Yeah, I would hope to God. But good game, Jared. Good game. Uh, Joshua Caleb writes in and says, Hey, Ben 10 and the CLCs, with both next gen consoles going for super fast SSD storage and that storage coming in at a premium and games almost assuredly getting larger and larger and more detailed, are we going to go back to the days of ye old PS2 and GameCube memory cards of counting the blocks and bytes of every game and needing to own multiple storage cards to fit all our games? Especially as more games move to live service models that have daily check-ins and bonuses, you just can't delete them and re-download them willy-nilly. What do you think? Are we going to just have all external SSDs? That we're just swapping around like old memory cards here? We're going to have to, yeah. I mean, I yeah. don't know how many games can really get away with it the way Warzone does. You've got to have like a big uh, market share to have that confidence that people will give up half of their system's storage to play your game. Not a lot of games can say that, I think. Right, right. Yeah, I, I also wonder how much of that is just going to end up shifting towards, you know, like just people having more unlimited data on their internet if they're if it's available of just because I'm, I'm i'm i ended up getting an unlimited plan just for this console generation basically um so i wonder how many people are going to just opt for that instead of just like, yeah i'll just delete and download stuff as i need it but uh yeah it's definitely getting to the point where this i think upgrading to higher storage is really expensive yeah but there's not a ton you can do about how big games are right now yeah and for the stats here um with the OS and everything installed, the PlayStation 5 uh, is looking at 667 gigs of usable storage, and the Xbox Series S is 364 gigs of storage. So you have, like, if you want to play Warzone in a Series S, like, you're really already coming in hot. It's That's, a Warzone machine? Yeah. It's getting the close to it. Just download smaller versions of the games, though, right? So it's a little bit more lenient, but yeah, 300 yeah. is nothing. Uh, EJ Crow uh, commented on Joshua Caleb's post and saying, and says, fun tech fact, the PS5 remaster of Spider-Man 2018 is 25% smaller in file size than its PS4 version, despite including higher quality assets. This, the game is made smaller by not having to include repeated data to improve loading speeds on a typical hard drive. And no tooltips on the loading screen. Yeah, that was really intense. Way too much. Uh, Matthew Steen writes in and says, Hello, I'm currently switching between Demon Souls and Astro's Playroom. Between the controller, the graphical improvement, the new UI features, and overall speed of the console, this generation feels like a much bigger leap than the PlayStation 4 generation was. In your minds, what was the biggest console gen jump, in your opinion? I'd put this right up there with the jump to HD and probably slight below the jump to 3D, says Matthew Steen. That, that's, that's up there, baby. I don't know what what jump leaps at what jump leaps out the most to you guys. Uh, 
Yeah, I think it's uh, 2D to 3D is definitely like a big jump, but it almost doesn't feel like a jump. It just feels like a complete, you know, pivot of just like, like the your understanding of how this works is very different now. Yeah, it's almost like VR stuff where it's like, okay, 2D also got better, but 3D now we have this new ability to create 3D stuff. Same thing with VR where it's kind of on its own track. So I think the biggest leap for me was probably uh, like 64 to like GameCube. You know, like mm. that generation of just like, oh, all these lines look so much sharper. There's so many more round edges and not everything looks like it's made out of, you know, like clay or whatever. Um, I think it's that that was the most significant jump that I think I've seen. Yeah, I think I'm in that same camp of PS1 to PS2. But that's also just when I really got invested in games as well. So I really felt that one in a huge way. But I mean, playing SSX at the launch of the PS2 was just stunning. I was going to say ps2 to ps3 because i feel like ps3 360 those games still look good even now to an extent like i guess i haven't gone back to my ps3 to look at what the original last of us looked like but well but i'd still play that you know as opposed to ps2 xbox original xbox version you know like that was still early days of figuring out how to make 3d not look like ass right and, I, right. and I, I also feel like 18 to 16 bit was even though it's it's just nicer sprites like 16 those 16 bit games still hold up today in a way that you know all those early 3d games don't yeah yeah with uh playing so much Sackboy over the weekend uh I was just thinking like, God, the textures in this game look really good. Like having the cloth textures and burlap sacks, all that fun stuff you'd imagine from, you know, a game that's inspired by Little Big Planet. And I was just thinking like, it's crazy that it's been like three generations now of Sony really pushing like, look at these textures. You know, even like, you know, I guess Tearaway was a port, but I guess Little Big Planet 3, they're also pushing that. But it's just so crazy that still after three generations, it's like, God, that button looks amazing. I feel like I can touch it. <laughs> I don't know if this is an acceptable answer, but I'd say Game Boy Advance to Nintendo DS blew my mind the hardest. Ooh, interesting. Like seeing Super Mario 64 in 3D on a handheld changed my life. Yeah, that, yeah, that, that one's is actually a good one. Underrated. Yeah, that is true. Uh, Leica writes in and says, Howdy, cohorts. With all the new games swinging onto our consoles, oh, I found myself playing a ton of Hollow Knight. All these new and massive games feel practically overwhelming, and I find myself going back to games from the past that I loved. Does anyone else do this? Uh, no, I haven't been, yeah, like, I've I've definitely stuck to uh, new stuff also. It's not like I've been playing the, the same game that I was playing on PS4 for hours and hours now on my PS5, so can't relate. Yeah, it's, it's completely different. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that's fine. We had somebody else right in, too, talking about, like, I just am playing Stardew Valley right now, and I don't know if I should be. It's the wrong time to be diving into that game when there's so much new stuff to play, but there's nothing yeah. wrong with that. Play what you want. We're not here to judge, man. Yeah, yeah we're going like, to... Oh, good. There's there's like such a, a large group of games that are still going to be good and are going to take you a hundred hours each. That you're still going to be playing them for a long time anyway. That if you're if you're in the mood for something a little older that's making you happy, then just go for it. Hey, that's beautiful. Speaking of going for it, Matt Landers writes in. He says, "Simple question: What is your Red Dead Redemption two? You know, the game you tell yourself you're going to get to eventually, but if you're being honest with yourself, you absolutely never will. No. Uh, Jeff, do you have a Red Dead Redemption 2 that comes to mind? Um, one that I'm not going to go back to? That's right. Mm. 
that's, realistically. That's tough. Yeah, no, um, I'd say like Assassin's Creed Odyssey, like that tier of open world game that I enjoyed when it came out yeah. that just got shelved and now I'm I'm like multiple entries behind for the series, you know? Yeah. Like if I play more Assassin's Creed, it's going to be Valhalla and and I'm and I'm never going to finish that one either probably. So <laughs> let's be realistic. Right, right. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, open worlds of the past, huge bloated open worlds are just cut off. For me, for years, probably since uh, 10 years now, I've been telling myself, like, I'm going to go back and play more Old Republic, the Star Wars MMO. Like, I played it and enjoyed it when it came out, and I've been meaning to do other storylines other than the Sith storyline that I did. At a certain point, it's like, what, what do I think? One Tuesday, I'm just going to wake up and be like, time to play an MMO. Like, it's just never going to happen unless we make some feature out of it. And even then, that's a that's a stretch. Mm-hmm. Does anybody yeah, else have I one? I think Persona 5 Royal is probably that one for yeah. me. Yeah. Uh, like, I would really like to get back into that game because I've heard a lot of good things about the new storyline stuff. But yeah, a 100-hour, 200-hour RPG is just a, such a hard sell right now, especially. Yeah, there's just especially no one that I already beat. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, let it go, man. Let it go. Uh, for me, it's Disco Elysium that oh, I'm going to go yeah. back and finish that. I, I just find rarely when my game when it comes time to game, I rarely want to play a game that's like smarter than me. Like no matter how cool I think it is, it's like signing up for a lot of uh, you know, reading. <laughs> I guess. Leo, there's is no. It, game isn't one of your favorite games of the year though? Just reading old books, Leo. Oh, yeah. Well, if I could play it on my phone in bed, absolutely. There we okay. go. Platinum. Well, it is coming to Switch, so. Oh, yeah, great. Uh, Claudio writes in and says, Hey, Min Maxers, uh, I was one of the lucky few to get a PlayStation 5 last week, and I'm loving it. This is my first non-Nintendo console since the PlayStation 2, so I'm catching up on so many great PS4 games and trophies. First thing I did was Platinum Astro's Playroom, and although it wasn't very difficult, it was a lot of fun and very satisfying. Have you platinumed any PlayStation games? What was the most enjoyable one? I got a list. I oh, went through them. My God, yeah. There are seven Platinums from my PlayStation career. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, this is the time when Jeff has to guess them. Okay. Dark guessing. Hitman. Nope. <laughs> you fool. Damn it. You have 18 more guesses. Um, Don't blow Assassin's this. Creed Odyssey. Nope. Jeff, come on. Um, some kind of skate game nope jeff um, i don't even know this guy this isn't the real leo apparently Who is not apparently not <laughs> um it's funny because going back through this list it's like you can get the platinum before dlc like i think that's one of the rules is you have to be able to get it without buying additional dlc yeah. okay so one of my platinums is rocket league which is at like 40 percent now because oh, of all funny. the dlc but it's still a platinum yeah other ones are far cry 4 lego marvel superheroes guacamelee which was on vita uh, Sleeping Dogs, Saints Row the Third, and then Far Cry Three is the only one that actually sits at 100 percent right now. Wow, not too shabby, man. All from a specific era, you know. It's a, looking right. at that list; it's a, like a locked in like four year period of my life. The platinum era, you'll look back on on your deathbed. <laughs> exactly. Surreal. Uh, you seem like a platinum kind of lad. I, I mean, I have the Destiny 2 Platinum. I have the last the last kind of major one that I did was Mortal Kombat 11. Oh, yeah. Uh, ended up Platinuming that. Uh, the weirdest Platinum that I have, I think, is Tekken 7. 
um, mostly because it was really easy platinum. Uh, and also, like, the, the one hard achievement was uh, win an online tournament, but you can make it, like, the mode only allowed for four people. So I just got in launch day having played for review ahead of time. And I, I, I very, very narrowly scraped by with that last win. And I was like, okay, great. I will never have to touch this mode again. And I think if I hadn't won that one round, I don't think I would have platinum that game. Um, but I've done that one and a, a few others, but I can't necessarily think of all of them off the top of my head but yeah i think the last one i did was mortal kombat 11 nice uh i don't think i've platinum anything but uh yeah is there a slot that i put my gamer card into in the monitor somewhere or where exactly paper shredder oh paper shredder okay (laughs) no problem uh sincerely i've I've got apparently i have three oh nice yeah i don't know what they are i can't (laughs) what you click you click on the little You'd think you'd click on the little platinum symbol right. on their website and it would show you what games they are. Well, but it doesn't work that way. Leo, do you want to guess what they are? And he can't tell you if you're right or wrong, so just have at it. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Dance Central yeah, for Connect. Uh, Cameo, Elements of Power. Yep. Correct. Super Mario Brothers 3. Wow. And correct. DDR, the arcade cabinet at your local bar. <laughs> Jeff, I'm killing it. We're all proud of you, man. Having a child, he planned That's them. all three of them. <laughs> That's right. Sincerely, Eric submits a comment saying, hello, everyone, all you beautiful people. Hello. Hello. Um, the week... <laughs> Sorry, I can't read anymore. This week, it came up in the community after I spoke about spending three hours trying to win the high score on pull-ups and Final Fantasy VII Remake... He calls it the Remako, which is funny. What is the longest amount of time spent in a game with the most pointless side quest slash mini game? Not necessarily which mini game have you played the most of. Which one have you stuck with for a very specific goal or achievement out of sheer stubbornness? Andrew Burns replied to that comment then and said, I would never have the patience for this, but earlier this year, my brother spent four hours trying to get 1,000 successful jumps in a row in the Final Fantasy IX jump rope mini game for a trophy. He finally got around that four-hour mark. That's the first one I thought of as well, is that stupid jump rope in the beginning of Final Fantasy IX. Yeah, I think the, the lightning strike thing in Final Fantasy X right. was probably mine. That pull-up is a, is a great one because I spent multiple hours while, while the time limit for the deepest dive was running down <laughs> and I was still doing those freaking squats. I think it was the squats that were killing me. Right, right. Um, there was also there was a mini game in Link to the Past where you had to shoot arrows and hit like moving pots on a conveyor belt that I just got super pissed off about and obsessed with trying. For some reason, the timing on it was really weird, and and I spent hours one night just slowly losing all my rupees as I was trying to get that one and cursing it. And just tears by the end. Yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, Birkin. Uh, oh, yeah. Hold on. Hanson, update. Please, please. Marvel Spider-Man was one of them that I platinumed. Ah, wow. there it is. Pretty good. Uh, Birkin in Minnesota says, Leo insightfully, albeit reductively, declared Genshin Impact to be Breath of the Wild with the art dialed down to 2 and the dopamine dialed up to 10. Personally, I've enjoyed both games, but still somewhat agree. And yet on certain days, especially in the stressful chaos of 2020, the constant distraction and gratification of Genshin Impact or Ubisoft open world games is exactly what I need. In the same way, a bowl of ice cream isn't exactly healthy, but there's a time and place where you need it. What are the cohorts' experiences with delayed gratification versus instant gratification in games? 
Hmm. I find myself being more uh, attracted to delayed gratification over the years. I, I mean, I'm, I'm known to love my hitmans and whatnot, where uh-huh. it's an hour of watching the routes before you can finally do what you've been planning to do. And that always feels great. I definitely, there is a point with the dopamine injections where it like starts to have, you know, diminishing returns. It's like, I know you're tricking me just because my guy explodes in Assassin's Creed Odyssey when I level up doesn't mean it's fun. (laughs) (laughs) It's a trick. Yeah. That's nice. You're on the the right. You're aiming towards the right side of history. Is that the way to phrase that? Sure. But no, no shade to Genshin Impact players and certainly people looking for that kind of experience in this trying time, obviously have power to you. Yeah. Uh, Grizzled Gaming says, hello. Tell Jeff from Grizzled Gaming says, hello. He'll know what it means. This question was inspired by a recent conversation in the Discord about the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. What animated shows were you infatuated with as a kid? I skew a bit older than you guys, but I could not get enough of the G1 Transformers and G.I. Joe. Also, which Ninja Turtle is best and why is it Donatello? The answer is Donatello, but I'm annoyed by this because growing up, I liked I've always enjoyed choosing the underdogs as like my favorite characters. Like I remember watching Aladdin with friends and being like, my favorite character is Carpet. You know, just like trying to be the weirdo <laughs> underdog. I mean, effectively still the correct choice. But I felt like I was choosing the underdog and choosing Donatello. And now every person I've ever talked to about this, which in my life, because I'm a dork, has been hundreds of people. Everybody else has chosen Donatello. Well, it's because he's the smart one. But and w- over time, history, as as we've all grown up, Hanson, yeah. we've appreciated intelligence more and more. It used to be Michelangelo because he was mm, the party dude with the pizzas right. and the cowabunga and all that crap. But once you get older, you realize, of course, as a kid, I also, Donatello was my favorite <laughs> as well because I was a very smart kid. So. But the jocks work for the nerds now. Yeah, yeah. baby. Donatello's the new leader. <laughs> I also think it's aspirational. Like everyone like sees themselves in Donatello as like, oh yeah, they're very smart. They're very intelligent. Where I think if we were being honest, there would be more Raphaels in the world than we think. We're all a little bit cranky and our weapons suck. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think more of us carry around size than I think we would care to admit. Yeah. 2020, especially. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. But animated shows you're infatuated with as a kid. Uh, Infatuated is a big word. I was thinking about how much I loved gargoyles as a kid. Uh, and I remember, I remember making like <laughs> a custom rig, which was just a couple different pieces to turn my Legos into gargoyles and then like flying them around my Lego towns and singing the gargoyles intro theme, which is very cool. <laughs> I loved uh, Courage the Cowardly Dog mm. for sure. And uh, we were a big Simpsons household. We watched the Simpsons every Sunday, but I didn't have that much TV time. And so we did have a Simpsons episode guide, which was just this massive book yep. with a plot synopsis and choice quotes and character moments. And I would spend so much time just reading through that episode guide and because I couldn't be watching anything. <laughs> I would just pretend I was watching the show. That's amazing. God, I'm uh, trying to remember because that episode guide when it came out uh, is like a good line in the sand for kind of like different eras of the Simpsons. And I, God, this is a deep cut. I want to say the final episode in that book is the one where Apu has kids? Does that sound right? Do you remember, Leo? Maybe. Somebody, please let me know what the final episode is in that book. I would love to know. Yeah. Uh, I, for me, a lot of it was anime uh, that happened to air in Mexico. So it was a lot of uh, Saint Seiya and Sailor Moon. Uh, and then later, uh, I got into Dragon Ball. 
so the, and but I also watched stuff like hers, The Cowardly Dog. There was one I think later that was called Sheep in the Big City that I just fell madly in love with because it was all just a bunch of like if you ever watch those episodes of like looney tunes where it was all just a bunch of like puns yeah um that was basically sheep in a big city it was just a bunch of like like one of the characters who's trying to capture the sheep or whatever is called general specific and his lackey <laughs> was named private public that's really good nice i've never seen this before yet oh it's only it ran for two seasons starting in 2000 yeah. Oh, that art is weird. It is. It is very weird. Oh, what a freaky thing. Uh, and Jeffum, was it just like uh, sketches in the corner of a flip book that you went through? Yeah. Okay. You had to hold it up to candlelight right. uh, to watch <laughs> them at night. I was there with Grizzle Gaming with uh, G.I. Joe. Gargoyles also oh, I good. watched. But I think the, the ones I liked the most were the old, you know, Looney Tune. Coyote and Roadrunner, I think, was probably my favorite. There because it is. That was, that was some cerebral stuff going on. <laughs> it's really fantastic. Paint, he'd I, just paint a, he'd paint a picture on the side of the mountain, and then the Roadrunner would go right through it. How's that work? Cerebral. I, I know I've talked about this before <laughs> in the podcast, but I'm still in love with the Wile E. Coyote game for PlayStation 1 where they do that gag in the tutorial, and it totally works where they make it look like there's a tunnel in front of you and then you run into it and it turns out it's just a texture on the mountain. And it's such a weird thing. I'm like, my God, I was the coyote. I understand how he made this mistake <laughs> a thousand times. Um, a little narrative coyoteism. What do you nickname here? It says, hello to Jeff Patriarchava. <laughs> just Ooh. fantastic. Okay, um, yeah. I likely won't have a PlayStation 5 or Series S until the holidays next year, which gives me some time to whittle away my backlog. I want your help deciding which game I should tackle first. You ready? Uh, the Batman Arkham series, Bioshock, Silent Hill, Monster House, Shadows of the Dam, Dante's Inferno, The Warriors, Prince of Persia, Sands of Time, Shadow Complex Remastered, Banjo-Kazooie Nuts and Bolts, Saboteur, Singularity, Uncharted, Knack, Little Big Planet 3. You say Monster House? Yeah, because we're the most confused about Monster House, I think we'll have to recommend Monster House. Great. Is this like a licensed game off of that DreamWorks film? Uh, we pl- if it is, we played it on replay, and you can skip it, pal. Don't worry about that one. <laughs> yeah, just watch the replay. Yeah, there's a PS2 game. Oh, boy. Not highly reviewed. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, the most relevant, because that's what you want. Maybe go for the Arkham series. You know, we got a new Rock City game. We got that Warner Brothers Montreal game going for that. Coming up soon? Yes? Yeah, important landmark in gaming. You know, milestone. You'll find where all those counters came from. Hey, you do all those counters in gaming now? Yeah. Where these uh, counters. You press Y. Or you press Y, tip. Oh. Um, Garrett Becker, great name, greater person, writes in. He says, hey, Benny H. and Du Bois, this is partly a message to everyone playing Cold War's campaign. Go into the settings and turn off the hit markers and crosshairs for your weapon. It makes the experience so much more immersive. I find there's often way too much information on the screen, and I love games that allow me to customize my HUD. What games have you tweaked the settings on before and have made it a better experience? I go minimap off pretty much whenever I can. Really? 
I love having the minimap off. I'm just the type of person who can't not look at little things like that, you know? Little red dots popping up on there will just take my attention 100% of the time. Right, right. And Because it's just a more you know, clear readout of the information, right? If you're, like, making your way through a hallway, it's the clearest way to do it. Yeah. And I hate that I default to doing that, so if I can lose that temptation, then it increases my immersion. Yeah. Speaking of which, how's uh, Much Like Legion going for you? Oh, it's great. Minimap off. I was hesitant about it because some of the collectibles are hard to spot yeah. without the minimap, but it's worth it. Nice. You don't need to get the collectibles anyway. Nice, nice, nice. Uh, are you getting close to finishing that thing? Yeah, I think I'm on the last leg of the campaign, but it's been like, yeah, a lot, very little time spent focusing on the campaign. I'm like 35 hours in at this oh, point. Oh, wow. Crazy. Uh, crazy. Crazy, man. You're freaking wild. Yeah. <laughs> Playing the games. Uh, Adam Wagner <laughs> writes in. Adam Wagner writes in, and he has a question that I've never seen before. He asks, "What's the name of the parrot in the Great Goaty Hunt intro?" If you've never seen Dolly. the Great, what was it? Dolly hey. P- Parrotin. Hey, you, I'm I'm so proud of this. Can I relay this very boring joke to you guys? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. When I was moving, a uh, friend of the show, Dave Clapp, helped me out because he can lift 300 pounds over his head or whatever. And uh, and he had like a two-wheeled cart, you know? A dolly? Well, I'm getting to that. And so uh, I asked him, I said, I said, hey, do you have like a two-wheeled cart I could borrow for moving this stuff? And he says, you mean a dolly? And I said, ah, dolly, pardon. Like dolly, comma, pardon. And... It's like, how many situations are you where you can use that? Now, audio listeners can't hear it, but Suriel's clapping no, louder and harder. Than, <laughs> he's actually frowning. He hates the Dolly <laughs> Parton joke. Oh, no! Um, <laughs> okay, so Dolly Parrot. Um, so the person who animated that intro for The Great Goaty Hunt uh, is named Aiden. So that'd be nice to name the parrot Aiden. But please write in with what that parrot should be called, and then we can have a final vote on Twitter with the most interesting four candidates, please. We'd love to see it. Um, great. Isn't that great? Uh, Steve Lamson writes in and says, am I cursed? Yes. Ooh, yeah. crap. Right, so. Okay, well, let's Sorry. skip his question. Um, no, so I started an Anthem podcast before it came out and a Godfall YouTube channel. <laughs> <laughs> Should I make a Cyberpunk 2077 TikTok account? How do you handle self-doubt when creating content? Wow. That's a great tale. Tale of woe. Yeah. I I feel like I get this a lot, but yeah, I, I usually just kind of think about how, like, you, you it, it's very hard to fail on a scale that I think would really, really affect you. Like, I think mm. uh, unless you're kind of doing, like, it's very rare that you are in a position where failure is, like, not an option. I think usually the stakes are small enough there. It's like, okay, if this doesn't pan out, it's not the end of the world, I think is usually like a good way to do it. And I think most people will tell you that you, you're not going to start off super strong either, like out of the gate. You have to work at it and get better at it. And the best way to do it when it comes to things like video, which is a, a very public facing thing, um, it, you just have to put stuff out there and get better at it. And eventually, hopefully something will stick. And don't buy yeah. a new house and expect the mortgage to be paid by your Godfall YouTube channel. We don't yeah. recommend that. <laughs> Yeah, it's definitely, for me, it's always been a, that can't be the goal, right? Is 
Godfall being a massive hit and then you rake in the dollars. It's got to be like, no matter what, I will have been happy I made this, right? And when I've ever extended myself out on a video project to try something new, that's pretty much always been the takeaway. It's like, even if it worked out differently or whatever, I'm glad I did that. Even if it didn't turn out as my favorite thing, I'm glad I tried it. Yeah, with your um, your own YouTube channel, Leo, where you do some more personal stuff, uh, how often while you're making that do you think, A, about, boy, I'm really putting myself out on a limb here to be this uh, open I'm thinking of, you know, your one about slipping on the banana in particular. And then B, how often do you think, I think this is it. I think this is the video that's going to hit a million views. Hmm. I, I, there's, it varies for sure, but most of the times there's been a, maybe once or twice I've thought this'll, this'll pop off and then it didn't. And now I don't think that anymore, but now it's more, I get to the end and I'm like, really happy with what I've done or I've got some notes to take about what I screwed up here where I didn't really actualize the way I wanted it to. Yeah. Do you have a specific example from your own channel? Uh, Well, you know, it's like video essay stuff about these little topics that haven't mattered so much lately, but are interesting for me. And it's like coming away. Like, is the point of this concise enough? Like, is it longer I, I like to have it longer. I like to have it like a 10 minute little episode, but is that longer than this needed to be to get the point across? Right. That's been my note a lot lately. And is it kind of like spending too much time in one place on one thing? Do I spend too much time on this one little nugget that really isn't worth it? Right. Like, should this just have been a tweet? Why did I turn this into a video essay? Like <laughs> I've had that a couple right. times. Yeah. 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 I'd, I'd say the other thing about self doubt too, is that, um, you know, if if you're if you're making something that you're a little worried about putting out there and you're worried that it's going to fail if it does fail like when something fails it's just irrelevant to people and they it means they're not paying attention anyway so right. you you don't That's have great. to worry that you're going to make a fool of yourself or whatever because the worst case scenario is people just don't care and they don't see it and so don't don't let that scare you away from trying something that you want to try. Yeah. I don't get email notifications about your podcast doesn't have enough listeners. It's rarely happened. <laughs> uh, yeah. That, that's a really good point. Yeah. I've, I think like, I think I'm bad with this. I keep thinking that something from MinMax is really going to pop in a big way and hit a wider audience. And in retrospect, it's so obvious that it wouldn't, but in my mind, I was like that Oregon trail documentary, that thing's going to break through in a bigger way. And I remember before launching it, I remember thinking like, Okay, worst case scenario, if it hits 10,000 views on YouTube, I'll be happy. And then I think it's like barely cracked eight. And it's like, yeah, I'm trying to draw attention to the Oregon Trail, a game from 1971, and not even the one that people like, but the origins of the Oregon Trail in the year 2020. Like, what was I expecting? Of course it doesn't make sense. Especially Uh, in this day and age with, you know, the algorithm the way it is, the almighty algorithm that's mm -hmm. so mysterious, it even more can't be the goal because so many things outside of your control that you couldn't possibly expect will determine whether your thing pops off or it doesn't. Right, right. Uh, Yeah, my girlfriend is uh, very wise, maybe listening to this, so also very beautiful. Um, But I was talking about The Deepest Dive on Spider-Man Miles Morales, and I was like, yeah, I hope this one does well. Like, I think all the ingredients are there. We haven't done a new game in a while a new game you know kyle bossman's on it maybe the easy allies community will check it out like i think this one might really pop through and hopefully you know inflate our sales a little bit 
Uh, and then she's like, oh, realistically, it won't. And you'll still keep doing what you love and move on. So, <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. That's probably a much more realistic way to look at this thing. But please check out The Deepest Dive on Spider-Man Miles Morales on our YouTube channel. Um, Chris, I'm sorry, not Chris. How could I be so foolish? Cree McGee writes in and asks, blue jeans have been in style for around 70 years now. How long will they remain popular? Hopefully not much longer. Really? Sick of them. <laughs> Sick of them. I, I have not worn a pair of jeans in eight years. What? They're not comfy. How much comfort do you need? Pants technology has come too far for us to be wearing jeans in 2020. They peaked at sweatpants. evolved beyond the knee for jeans is what you're saying. Exactly. Burn them. Now, see, Leo here. said he was into delayed gratification, but clearly not. Because if you wear a pair of jeans for like a year, mm-hmm. then they do get comfortable. Yeah, <laughs> you gotta break them in. Yeah, what is this? Okay, world? I haven't, I haven't done that. Are you wearing like skin tight jeans? Like pants are just pants. I don't think I've ever worn a pair of pants in my life and thought these are comfy pants. Unless they're like pajama pants. You gotta buy pants. some pants from Uniqlo. Oh really? What are those like? Yeah, they feel like pajama pants. Oh, don't they all but have like wear Mario eating a Splatoon or something on it? <laughs> no, common misconception. Oh. Yeah, no, they got some good fits on there. Really. Okay. Yeah. I guess I'll check it out. Maybe that's my new better quest goal. pants are out there. Just get wowed by pants. <laughs> <laughs> Have the pants blown on me. I don't know. Uh, Spell Dragon writes in and says, Welcome to Bad Instructions. I read a description of a well-known game using information from the instruction manual, and you guess the game. Ready? Actual instruction manual details. After receiving an urgent letter from a family friend... Our hero rushes off to a faraway land to rescue the animal inhabitants from an evil wizard wreaking havoc. Leo? Leo. Ape escape? Incorrect. But you got the first part right. Huh? Brother. Leo? Leo. <laughs> it was me. <laughs> Wait, it was me. What? It was you. That was what I got right is that I was Leo. Oh, you're saying? I'm so confused. <laughs> I thought you were buzzing in a second time. <laughs> well, that's not allowed. I would never. All right. Well, you're very classy. Uh, yeah, this this doesn't mention the core idea of what this is. It's a Nintendo 64 game. Quest 64? Nope. <laughs> I could get used to this. Could yeah. you read it again? Yeah. After receiving an urgent letter from a family friend... Our hero rushes off to a faraway land to rescue the animal inhabitants from an evil wizard wreaking havoc. Okay, this is here's what you got to look for. Family friend is never in a million years how I would describe these characters relationship, relationship. But I guess I think I don't they're different species of the same larger genus. Is that what that's called? Phylum? Donkey Kong. 64. Oh, so close. Diddy Kong Racing. <laughs> Wait, so Donkey Kong's a Wait, family you're, friend. You're going out to save people in a, in the <gasps> racing game? I guess so. I guess so. Look, these are bad instructions, according to that Spell Dragon. That, okay, uh, okay. Fair enough. Play as one tough dude using your special shoes that give you the power to stop the mad scientist experimenting on innocence. <laughs> Are these real? Uh, from leaping over lava pits to the chilling waters of an underground cavern, be atomic. 
that sucks. <laughs> Be Atomic. Be Atomic. Like, people have memed this franchise out of existence, and yet no one has come anywhere close to ever dragging this line out of Be uh, Atomic. Surreal. Uh, Duke Nukem? Incorrect. No, we're talking about <laughs> one cute. tough dude, Surreal. Looking for a tough dude. Oh. Special shoes that give you the power Special to stop shoes. the mad scientist experimenting on innocence. I will say, if you're cosplaying as this character, it seems like shoes would be important. They're red. Iconic video game character with bright red shoes with is a it what? Le- Leo, is it Sonic? It something? is Sonic the Hedgehog. Be Atomic. Be Atomic made me sure right. that it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, play... What? Are these honestly real? They're really freaking me out. He says that they're from the instruction manual. Okay. Play as a disowned aristocrat who relies on the sales of travel guides to make ends meet. Action and adventure await in their debut title in a treasured gaming series. Hang on. So these aren't real, right? If With that type of description for this thing... Search it. Google it. Sonic Be Atomic. By the way, I forgot. I'm wearing full Uniqlo right now if you want the full recommendation. I do. I do. It is wearing shorts. shorts. Locked down. Okay. Yeah, those are all right. Hang on. Quick ad break. Apparently, Be Atomic is a thing from the instruction manual. All right, so so read this one again. Selling travel guides. Is that... (laughs) Uh, yeah. Oh, okay. It's play as a disowned aristocrat who relies on the sales of travel guides to make ends meet. So what character loves traveling and is wealthy? Action and adventure await in their debut title in a treasured gaming series. Their debut title in a treasured gaming series? Some kind of spinoff. No. The series would go on to become treasured? Yeah. Yeah. And it's there because I think the character is important. I bet the character is more well-known around the world than the name of the series. Maybe because of a film. Hmm. From like 2003? Is it uh, Tomb Raider? It is Tomb Raider. There we go. Uh, Killing it. Killing it. Travel guides. Interesting. Tidbit. All right, Serial. You can tell us if these are real or not. True Peace Covers the Globe. All air travel is banned. All computer terminals destroyed. Vast roads are built that span oceans and bridge continents. Amidst this... Amidst... God, that word's weird. Amidst this peace, a new terrorist organization forms and attacks. You are hired by the great powers to fight them. Start killing. (laughs) Be the end of every game manual. Serial, got it. That is Killer Seven, killing it. Yeah. Fantastic. Did you know about those bridges? Yeah, no. Yeah, the intro cutscene tells you that. Be, like, it, it was very like nine eleven kind of thing, where it's like, oh, be in the wake of how America cracked down on nine eleven, this is like a fantasy version of that, where they just go full hog and say like, yeah, no, no air travel. We don't want anyone to talk to each other. Oh, interesting. Well, there we go. Thank you, Spell Dragon, for that game. Uh, what do y'all like for a question of the week? I like the self-doubt one. I like the self-doubt one too. I like the name the parrot one. Um, but yeah, I'm leaning self-doubt. Do you guys have a 
Big thought here? I'm always leaning self-doubt. Fantastic. Sure. Yeah. There it is. Steven Lamson. Congratulations. I am 8-Bit. We'll ship you out a copy of Watam on PS4. And it's the sushi edition. So buckle up, buckaroo. Uh, and now it's time for something we like to call Get a Load of This. Serial Vasquez, wow us. Uh... Yeah, I've, I I, I want to very quickly plug a, a podcast from our friends over at Game Query. Mm. Uh, it's called Game and Makeup, and it features friend of the show Haley MacLean and uh, Michael Tucker. And it's, it is a really strong premise for a podcast that I don't think we see enough, where they have two people on basically opposing sides uh, arguing about a game. And it, and, uh, it works really well because... Uh, they're a couple and they, they're able to really like uh, argue really well with each other and to the point where sometimes it can feel sort of like, okay, this is, this feels like it's becoming genuine, genuinely contentious a little oh, bit, no. but it's like, it's all grounded in that, in that relationship, which I think is really strong. And so like their, their first episode was about Twilight Princess and like, it, it is really refreshing, I think to me to hear people like genuinely have like these debates that, that like don't kind of like try to like oh let's talk about this but like you know i we disagree so let's kind of meet in the middle is where they both kind of make their case yeah they kind of argue a little bit and then they kind of end up with well we've both kind of made our case at this point and we don't necessarily have to like you know meet in the center right i i I like that approach to podcasting so uh you should check that out and what's it called again a game and makeup uh Haley is very nice leo have you ever heard her be mean or argue (laughs) yes Blake can get it out of her for sure. Oh, okay. Good. So you know the tone then. Oh, that's perfect. Uh, What do you like most about Haley, Leo, after doing a podcast with her for so long and interning with her? Hmm. I think she has a great sense of humor. I think she, yeah, she's really good on that podcast about taking it in stride. She always complains about like having to improvise and not being good at it. But I think she's like, she elevates every part she's a part of for sure in that show. Oh, that's great. Uh, Hey, get a load of this. I didn't know this, but I learned on NPR, I believe it was a Fresh Air episode, but apparently, did you know that former presidents uh, also get a salary? Like, former presidents get a salary of $200,000 a year, and then they also get $1 million a year for travel and office expenses. And they get free mailing for the rest of their life. They can ship anything and mail anything, and it's free. Isn't that crazy? weird we so that's why they want to be president i know talk about the perks it's crazy but that travel and office expenses so if trump lives for another 400 years yeah he can pay off all of his debts that's correct that's correct wow but can you imagine that one million for travel just be like well yeah i'll travel the world as a former president this seems great i guess i'll just talk about democracy the the long con of of basically just getting into office for as short a time as possible just to like enjoy the perks like I've got my pension already I'm out you just you could resign on day one and then it's just unlimited <laughs> airfare basically for the rest exactly. of your life yeah <laughs> uh, Jeff you got one yeah get a load of this uh, you know how much I hate plot holes Hanson yes right? sir yes sir uh, well we got a big plot hole filled this week. Okay. Uh, this this is a article from CBR.com, and it says Home Alone director addresses the film's undercooked plot hole. The, <laughs> oh, the no. subheadline is Home Alone director Chris Columbus finally addressed a massive plot hole in the film <laughs> involving Kevin McAllister's uneaten microwave dinner. Plot hole. Apparently, he made uh, 
a big plate of macaroni and cheese. Yeah. And then he didn't eat it. And then the, the, uh, you know, the wet bandits or whatever they were called showed wet up. Wet bandits. Uh, so finally, Chris Columbus answered that massive plot hole. Oh my God. And his quote is, interesting. I have no idea, Columbus said, adding that he'd never thought about the scene in the past. If memory serves me, he set up this dinner and then the guys show up. That is a mystery to me. And then he said later, I have no idea why that happened, but all this is going to make me go and rewatch it later today. Jeff, um, wow. you clicked on that article. What are you doing? Why are you doing this? I clicked on it. Is this just popping I, up in your Google I, News feed? Yes. <laughs> I must have clicked on a plot a plot hole story at some point. And so now they're just like, please, I'll take anything. And apparently all the all the websites write the, write the headlines like this now. Yeah. Like, I, I don't fault anyone for asking Chris Columbus that question, right. you know? Why not? But I fault them for writing a story like you're answering a plot hole when the answer is, I have no idea. <laughs> it happens all the time. We're in the wrong business, man. We should turn minmax.com just into plot holes. Hey, we'll invent game holes. It doesn't need to mean anything. These articles That's are right. meaningless anyway. We're Look doing forward it. to our new I series. I read an article once that was like all the info on Yakuza 6 on PC, and then the article was like, there's no info out. <laughs> that kind of stuff yeah that's good uh leo you got one yes uh so this is a little video a series of videos called greet greet antagonize it's red dead redemption 2 gameplay this person has cracked the code on how to get the funniest voice dialogue that you've never heard from red dead 2 which is to greet twice and then antagonize (laughs) which i never do just i'll I'll greet all day baby or i'll antagonize you know of course uh, for example, my favorite is Arthur just pulling up alongside a guy on a horse. First greet, hey, mister. Second greet, I like you, mister. You have a kind face. And then switch to antagonize, the kind I like to punch. <laughs> <laughs> it's like he just sets up a joke for himself every time. And it's such missable dialogue. I really recommend these videos. Uh, greet that's, that's fantastic. Uh, the links are in the description below. Uh we also have to get a load of this channel on the MinMax exclusive Discord. Uh, did you pull one, Jeffum? I did. God bless you. Uh, this one was from Mick Manga, and it, it was a Polygon article that the headline is, Some fish beat Pokemon Sapphire after 3,195 hours. <laughs> oh my Apparently God. they set up, you know, like the Twitch plays kind of video, yeah. but they're fish and they're they're floating around and they kind of have you know, like the entire tank cordoned off. So like if you're in this spot, it's like basically the left on the D pad and all those things. And somehow after 3000 hours, that's how long it takes fish to beat the entire game of Pokemon Sapphire. That's like as much time as Serial has played destiny. That's horrifying. It's closer to Dota, but yeah. Okay, Dota, better example. And see, and you you could have beaten Pokemon with that <laughs> amount of time. And turned into a fish. We have faith in you. <laughs> yeah. Wait, what kind of fish? Like, what fish was it? Because I I feel like most fish wouldn't live as long enough to be three thousand hours. Well, they they I'm sure I'm sure they probably died on during it. It's like some Let's kind of reset the timer. Some kind of fish, but he said that they, he switched out the fish every 12 hours anyway to kind of make it healthier for them. To kind of cheat. Yeah. yeah, there's no truth in this. Yeah, so technically it's not just three fish. It's, it's probably a whole school of fish. Well, is the joke that that's the game that 
IGN said they dinged for having too much water, so they make a fish play the water one. Like, is that the idea you think? I don't. I I think they've played multiple Pokemon. Also, was games. it the original or the remake? Is probably Look, the original. I, I don't know. He just read an article. <laughs> That's great. Thanks everybody in the community for submitting all this great. Get a little of this in that uh, Discord channel. It's a fun news feed. Uh, that's it for this episode. Uh, we have some things coming up. Uh, next week is our big, I think, sixth annual thank you celebration where we run down everything we're, th- we're thankful for for gaming in 2020. Uh, it started out with Jeff um, and Jeff Cork and I years and years ago. We did it last year. And now this year, because of your support, Leo Vader's joining us. That's right. Uh, Back again. That's right. So we are running down 25 things to be thankful for. Really just 25 jokes about gaming in the year. It'll be a standalone YouTube video. But here's the kicker, everybody. We're not doing this alone this year because we have Leo. And (laughs) in addition to Leo, we are letting the community submit their own jokes. We will choose our 25 favorites and then read them along with us. So on Friday, if you support us at any tier on Patreon, you can leave a comment with... A joke about gaming in 2020, framed in the way of something you're thankful for. And then if it's a great joke, we'll read it on the show. I'm looking forward to seeing everybody and the hive mind just annihilate any weak jokes that we have spent hours working on ourselves. It's going to be fantastic. So look forward to that next week. Uh, Also, uh, I don't plug this enough, but November 29th, we'll have the next call-in episode of MinFax, our Patreon-exclusive podcast. So if you're at at that $20 tier, uh, you can call in. It'll be 6 p.m. on Sunday, November 29th, and you can uh, record a podcast with us about anything you'd like. You know, you can ask us questions, or you can just say, hey, I want to talk about Ghost of Tsushima. I want to talk about my favorite game this year. Whatever you want, it's your segment. So it's a huge community call-in episode. So let me know if you have any questions about how that works. But we take the calls from Discord. And if you're at that $20 tier, we will take your call. Um, also, I uh, want to remind everybody that our next Patreon goal is if we hit 15 k we will make the MinMax holiday special. But the clock is ticking. Because if we're not hitting it before December 1st, this sucker isn't happening. We're not having a holiday special in March. St. Patrick's Day holiday special? That's garbage. Ridiculous. It's, it's the Christmas holiday special or nothing. So hopefully we can hit that goal. So it might be a good time to support us if you would like to. Check out the benefits, please. Also, heads up on Friday, we have a new MinMax interview and it's with Giant Bomb's Abby Russell. We've kind of started this trend of talking to people as they leave a big job. And Abby Russell is leaving Giant Bomb at the end of November. So it's a fun chat with her about the highlights of her experience, what she's learned along the way, all that fun stuff. So that'll be up on YouTube and then on the Patreon exclusive podcast feed. Did I miss anything? Anybody else want to plug something? Uh, uh, new, new video on my personal channel going out this Friday as well. YouTube.com slash Leo Vader. Sweet. What's it about? Yeah, It's about how the world is ending. Oh, oh, fantastic. That. that seems fun. Yeah. Cool. Looks like urgent news. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, for me, uh, real quick, uh, along with the Godfall review, which you can read on Polygon, I also reviewed uh, uh, Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity on yes. GameSpot. We'll talk about that more next week because uh, I, I want to have someone to talk uh, about that game with. So Kyle is going gonna, is gonna to hopefully join us for that. Um, but yeah, we can, you, for now, you can read the, the review on GameSpot. 
Yeah. And I think you were on the lower end. And so I'm curious to yeah. hear everybody's thoughts. I think Anna was curious about checking it out too. So I meant to plug that at the beginning. I'm sorry about yeah the fact that you got to review Age of Calamity. But the high level thing is it's interesting and it's cool to set in that world, but not great for yeah. you. It's a pretty good, it's a pretty good Musou game, but it just like, I think Zelda fans are probably going to actually be like actively kind of disappointed by it. So. Okay. All right. We'll talk more about that uh, next week. Again, thank you for watching or listening. Sorry this episode was so long. And thank you to the following patrons who support us at that $50 magical tier on Patreon. We're talking Synced Up Podcast. We're talking I Am 8-Bit. Mirko Rico, Toreno, Rich McLaughlin, Zachary Pliggy, Rebecca Lang, Beaton O'Brien, Mark Sutherland, Jamar Hello, Ludwig Roque, Andrew Valla, Jesse Vitelli, Super Serious Sam, Snake24, Thomas Hoster, Yarrow, Spiral in Your Eyes, Richard Smuts, JT Fells, Pretham, Yarlagata, Clint Farley, Spider Dan, Steve Bamdad, and Slick Nick. Thank you for your support, everybody. Be good, have fun, let's go! Yeah.